What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack for the past, uh, well, however long you've been doing fire, well, you're doing it wrong and your back probably hates you. They make probably, no, I'm not even going to say probably. They make the best the most comfortable and the most well-built fire line packs out there. They got a ton of different ones. They got the hot shot ones. Uh, they've got the hot top. They've got the uh, EMT bags that they uh, make. They even make engine stuff. They, if, if you have a need or a special design, something that you need to fit in a specific place, chances are they make a solution for you. Not only that, they make a ton of other solutions. You need a pack for peeling a trophy elk off the side of the hill. They got you covered. You need a briefcase, which are, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's a pretty badass briefcase for your uh, crew boss kit. They make that. You need a backpack, just a simple backpack to throw your civvy gear in and throw it underneath the seat of the engine or the buggy. Well, they make a solution for you and they can all be found at www.mysteryranch.com and check this out. They are also giving back to the fire community. How is that, you might ask? Well, they have launched the Backbone series. And what is it? What does it do? Oh, oh, what is this Backbone series you speak of? Well, they are telling the story of wildland fire through the perspective of the boots on the ground. They're sharing stories and it is incredible. Some of the works that are coming out of that are top freaking notch. It kicks ass. Not only that, they are also, they have launched the Backbone Series Scholarship. So if you get selected, uh, all you have to do to enter for the scholarship is, you know, submit your story to the Backbone Series. And if you are selected, you have the opportunity to win one of these thousand dollar grants. So if you want to go back to school and uh, get some more education under your belt, well, that's what this scholarship is for. So go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped. Oh yeah, your balls will thank you. They are the one-stop shop solution for all of your below-the-belt grooming needs. So, significant others, this is where you come in. You want to give uh, your other half the ballsiest gift out there and get a of course, got to get a laugh out of there. I mean, there's so many puns, they practically write themselves. Then you need to head over to www.manscaped.com and pick up the perfect package. It kicks ass. Comes with the lawnmower 3.0. Oh, yeah. It's got the skin safe technology. And uh, yeah, if you want to reduce those manscaping mishaps, well, definitely get yourself this lawnmower 3.0. It's an excellent trimmer for below the belt. It also comes with a sweet ass pair of underwear. It comes with a sweet ass leather little uh, toiletry bag. It also comes with a crop preserver and it comes with the ball toner as well. So if you want the perfect package for your significant other, then swing over to www.manscape.com and check this out. If you enter the code Anchor point, all one word at checkout. You get 20% off and free shipping site wide. So encourage your significant other to do a little uh, defensible space downstairs if you catch my drift and head over to www.manscape.com. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that, you might ask? Well, it is none other than Hot Shot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But 
in addition to kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes, well, they make a ton of other stuff. Ooh, what is it you might ask? Well, they make all of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right. So if you need an AeroPress or a camp cup or anything else like those, that extra big ass coffee mug that he makes, which is pretty badass, but my wife stole it from me. You can get yourself some of that stuff over at www.hotshotbrewing.com. Oh yeah. And check this out. They also support the anchor point podcast by slinging our merch. So if you're looking for one of those, uh, band of brothers tees or one of those misfits themed, one of those fire fiend tees, well, They've got you covered. So once again, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast would also like to give a quick little shout out to our buddy Booze over at The Ass Movement. And you're probably curious about what The Ass Movement is. Well, it's an acronym and it stands for the Anti-Surface Shitting Movement. I don't know if you guys have been uh, trotting along the trail and then, you know, haphazardly come across a pile of human feces gift wrapped into toilet paper. Well, I think that stuff is disgusting and that shit needs to stop. So you can do your part and spread the poo bearing propaganda by going over to www.thefirewild and checking out the tab that says the ass movement where you can find stickers, patches, posters. They got, they got everything. They got even got refrigerator magnets to help spread the word about burying your turds. Hell, if you have a problem pooper on your crew, well, Check this out. They even have a turd trowel. And check this out. It gets even better. Listeners to this podcast can get 10% off all of it by using the code AnchorPointAss10 at checkout. So if you guys are uh, into spreading the word about burying your turds, well, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. And I just want to be clear here, it is not completely, you know, just isolated to America. It is a global affair now. And check this out. If you guys don't know what it is, head over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out because they actually have a full catalog. They have a digital archive of sorts of wildland firefighting stories from all across the world dating all the way back to the 1940s there's a collection of over a hundred of these things and it's pretty badass so if you want a little history lesson or some current events that are uh, happening in the field well go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out oh check this out bethany over there who is a saint by the way is also giving back to the community how is that she uh, how is that you ask well she has started the smoky generation grants oh yeah you probably heard about them so the applications here for 2021 are going to be opening up here pretty soon and it'll be your opportunity to win one of these limited $500 grants so if you happen to be a blogger photographer writer cinematographer anybody who's telling the story of wildland fire well here's your opportunity and once again for a third time, I believe, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. Put your name in the hat. See what you get. The views 
and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Hope everybody's doing well. So it is the dead of winter. And for a lot of you out there, this is probably the hardest part of the year. It's even arguably harder than fire season itself. And I know a lot of uh, folks out there may or may not struggle with fire se- or uh, the off season and their, their uh, resiliency and their mental health. But I know a lot of people do. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about on today's episode. So we're going to talk about that with a gentleman who has 20 years of hot shotting experience. He's actually a superintendent of a crew out there. You've probably seen him around in the news, particularly on a Vice News uh, story about hot shotting. But he is on the show today to talk about his personal take on things, his personal struggles, and uh, yeah, some of the things that he's done to cultivate some of that resiliency and overcome the things that he was struggling with. So he wants to let everybody out there know that they are not alone. And today we are going to talk about just that. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Ben Strawn. Welcome to the Anchor Point. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point podcast. Today on the show, I've got my good buddy, Ben Strawn. Did I see you right? I always fuck up your last you name. You said it right. I said it right this time. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> How's it going, dude? Uh, it's going really good, man. Yeah. Really, really happy to be here. So what happens to bring you here to beautiful Reno, Nevada? <clears throat> man, uh, well, you know, I think uh, that's a kind of a big question, maybe. Maybe bigger than, maybe I'm making it bigger in my mind than it needs to be, but uh, I think uh, the importance of myself and telling my story to people, I think, is is what kind of brought me here. Yeah. A compilation of hearing other people's stories, positions that they find themselves in. And, and I think that, uh, number one, uh, the main intention that I, I have today is to, uh, share, uh, my journey through this career in my life. What is, what tools I've, uh, gathered along the way to be successful, um, to deepen the understanding about myself. And then hopefully, um, a, a positive byproduct of that is, uh, someone else can get some help from it. Right on, man. Well, I'm interested to hear what your story is, man. I've been, yeah. We've been kind of chatting back and forth, like I said, but for sure. First off, man, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, a good place to start. Right. So <clears throat> I think first off, you know, my, my story isn't, it's, it's my story, right? Um, there might be some things for people in there to relate to. I think they're probably for sure will. Um, um, but it's, it's personal to me and, and my, I want to speak about, uh, my truth as it is to me and how I got to the, where I, where all the things I've done in my life. Yeah. So, um, 
I guess it kind of starts like, you know, since this is the anchor point podcast, let's start with my, uh, you know, how I made the decision to become a wildland firefighter. Uh, it seems like the most obvious place to start. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in high school, I went to a, a small mountain town and a place called garden Valley. Uh, you know, my graduating class was like, shoot, I don't know, like 60 or 70 folk or whatever. So pretty, pretty tiny in, in terms of what other people maybe go through. Um, and you know, at the time it seemed to me that the skills that I had possessed, uh, as a child, I had maybe three options, you know, I could either go into construction, which I was already kind of doing a little bit with my grandpa at the time we kind of started our own business, which was rad. Nice. Um, I could do some logging cause I'm from a mountain town. Right. Um, or I could become a, a wildland firefighter. That was like the only three options, you know, in my mind, you know, I I've said this to other people that I went to school with and like, what are you talking about? What about like college and like all these other shit that, you know, that you could have done, but in my mind, you know, like, college, I'm going to be a hot shot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've limited my, you know, what I think, you know, you kind of judge yourself on the skills you have, the interests you have. And yeah. anyways, these are the things I thought I could, I could do and potentially be successful at. So, um, so anyways, uh, shoot firefighting, you know, our, my high school was pretty awesome. They had a ROP program. It was and an ROP program. You know what? Uh, as I said, ROP, I, I don't even know what it, mean, what it means. I'm sure lots of people right now are like, it's, it stands for this, but I don't know. But anyways, it kind of gives you, um, interest into the trade that you potentially are interested in and you can get like, uh, certifications or on the job sort of training. Um, so when you graduate, high school or whatever, you can enter that career like instantly. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So it was pretty, pretty sweet. So I did this firefighter ROP program and, uh, um, you know, you do a little bit of structural type stuff. And at the moment, man, like when you, when you're my age, dude, that's what you're thinking, you know, like for the most part, you know, like, I don't think a lot of people are thinking like, I want to be a wildland firefighter. I don't know. I don't even think anybody knows what a wildland firefighter hundred percent. There's a, there's an issue there. Right. So like, yeah. you know, I'm in my mind, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be a firefighter, red trucks, differential polishing the whole nine. Right. I'm going to get after it. So this ROP program had that in there, but also there was like a week or two or something like this of, um, wildland fire class and you got your basic, uh, 40. So you get your red card to do this program. Yeah. All you got to do is take the pack test and you're good to go. So like this class offered that and, you know, I went through it in one day, you know, like we go up to uh, the Georgetown, which is, you know, part of the Eldorado National Forest. And that's the area that I live in. And we do some line construction with some folks from the Forest Service. Uh, There was a couple people from the Tahoe National Forest, which was just north of the, um, that of the Eldorado and some folks from Georgetown, uh, the Eldorado National Forest. And we did some line digging and, you know, they're also there to maybe do some recruiting, you know, some fresh blood, like these young kids who are looking to maybe get a job, get them to get them that first hit and then yeah, see exactly. if we can get them addicted to yeah. the fire bug, <laughs> the fire drug. Exactly. And so, you know, we have a day of, uh, a line digging, which was really rad. And, um, you know, I, I immediately was pretty stoked on it because it's, you know, my math, I'm athletic. I was playing college or college high school soccer and running track and, already had a passion of just kind of pushing myself physically at the moment Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, this kind of really, you know, gave me an opportunity to kind of do that, you know? So, you know, they pull a couple people, me and one of my, uh, best friends aside and go, Hey man, you want a job? Just like that. Yeah. That you should apply. And back then it was still paper. Yeah. Which is 
just being able Dude, to say that is insane, right? Don't get me started on USA Jobs. <laughs> Holy shit. If Albuquerque's listening, dude, or whoever yeah, created sure. USA Jobs, pull your head out, man. All right, all right. So, I mean, we were still using paper back in the day, which, you know, I, what, anyways, uh, which is just kind of gnarly to think about. So, um, applied, you know, um, talked to my pops about it, you know, like, he's like, yeah, you should do it, man. This is a great job. Like, you should, it's a career. Yeah. Like you're going to start this right away. Like that's pretty sweet. And like, I had no ambition to go to college. I didn't care about that. Yeah. And you know, at the time, Ooh, seasonal workforce. Like that sounds pretty cool. Like, go be a ski bum in the winter. hundred percent. That's, yeah. you know, that's obviously what I ended up doing. But, uh, I also saw it as a potential, uh, foot in to the fire industry, uh, for a goal to potentially become a red truck type of dude. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure there's some people out there. Oh, you mean a real firefighter, not a forestry technician <laughs> for sure. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, I get in there and, um, two days after graduating high school, my application was accepted and there I go. I'm working on a Todd national forest and I'm on an engine. Um, and, uh, so just like that, boom, boom, just like that done two days after graduating, man, I'm, I'm on the ground running. That's sweet. And it was super awesome, man. And, uh, you know, I'll try. I have something in my head and I, I bounce around a little bit because I have ADD and, and good stuff like this. Dude, but, welcome to the club. Right, Take it away, man. Right. <laughs> this is your platform. I think there's, man. I think there's legit research on this actually. Like, uh, uh, our population, like having ADD is like a common thread. Anyways, I think you're right. We'll put that off to the side. I don't even think we need research. I think this is <laughs> an obvious one, thing. man. For sure. So, but part of me sharing this thing is, is telling people like, Hey, like, uh, I've done, a lot of this I've done almost everything like it, whatever this job has had to offer besides smoke jumping. I've, I've done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so I want people to understand, like, as I tell my story here, like, uh, you're not alone when you're dealing with your shit. Like I want, I want to tell you, like I've encountered a lot of the same shit other people's encountered and I've, I've worked through it and I want, I want people to understand there's a path through the darkness and to find the light. Right. So I regress. Uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, I'm on an engine man and, and I didn't go to any assignments that first year with my engine, not Just one seven day effective forest kind of thing. Yep. Or, yeah. S uh, seven day effective engine. I just drew the wrong card every time. And I ended up getting adopted by the type two IA crew that was sharing the same facility. So I went pretty much spent the season with them. Nice. Awesome season. Did a bunch of stuff, you know, like I, I very, very uh, vividly remember the star fire, which was in, by the way, this, my first season was 2001. Um, so, uh, and, and so I experienced a lot of cool stuff, made some amazing relationships. Um, and, uh, but still had my eye on potentially becoming, uh, uh, a municipal firefighter to be more specific when I say red truck. Um, so, uh, so yeah moving on, you know, like, like I said, it was a good season. My best friend was working with me, even though he was on the engine most of the time. And, uh, had a lot of really great experiences with that crew, learned a ton. And, and then that winter, uh, a friend that I had developed uh, a close relationship with on the crew passes away in a car accident. Oh shit. Yeah. First year we're rookies basically together, right? You guys are like rookie bros. Yeah, for sure. You know, like he was assigned to the crew and I was like, you know, we call this, a, we were, I was a scab right along, whatever, but we were bros. Bill. <laughs> we were bros, dude. We went snowboarding a few times and 
you know, in the off season, all that kind of stuff. So, and that's where I experienced like my first loss, you know, like I was like, it was difficult, you know, like, holy shit, this is real. And you don't really, you know, I'm 19 years old, man. Like <laughs> yeah, we're not accustomed to loss at that uh, I don't, age. I don't know what the hell I'm even, these emotions are. Right. So yeah. it's like, you know, you're dealing with that kind of, uh, those really heavy feelings or whatever. And you don't really have the tools yet to work through them. And so what eventually happens, I think, at least for me, it was, you know, I just, okay. You know, like bury that shit down. That's what a fucking firefighter is. Well, yeah, we always, I right. mean, especially <clears throat> the culture that we're in, man, we have 100%. that, that there's always going to be that, that culture element to it. It's like, yeah, don't talk to me about your fucking problems. Yeah. Just bury it, work hard, be a hard ass hotshot. Right. Sure. Sure. And so, and that's, what's up. I mean, uh, we go and I'll get into this maybe more as we talk, but like, uh, this job, like the job firefighter, whatever, right. You define that in some way in your head. Yeah. Oftentimes and, it kind of defines us as a person right. too. Exactly. Absolutely. And you, uh, identify with it. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, if you don't have the tools, um, or, or have cultivated the discipline in your life to, see when those things happen, you know, when things change, then you stay identified with this and it can cause problems. We'll talk about that in a minute. But in the meantime, you're a young 19 year old kid. You have this definition of what this is and you just shove it down, man. Well, that's another thing too. It's like you have (laughs) the influence of those around you as well. Sure. Also reaffirming those beliefs, especially young firefighter, man. At least I was. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot, a lot of times like uh, that's, that's true. I mean, we're all like, uh, we're all dealing with our own shit. You know okay. what I mean? It's unique to us some ways and there's things that are relatable and, and things like this, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't the only one feeling this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like other people on the crew formed relationships with him as well. Right. So, you know, so this happened, um, and, uh, you know, the, the glass starts to fill. Right. So I've, I've already put like a few drops in there. <laughs> so career continues. Just a couple. Yeah. <laughs> Winter hits, you know, you're snowboarding or whatever, you're doing your thing. You kind of have these potential distractions, yeah. which is what you do, right? You distract yourself from what's in front of you sometimes. Kind of forget about it a little bit, go into the next fire season, uh, same engine, come back, right? Best friend moves to the crew instead. Um, so we're not on the engine, but I was like, man, I want, they, they wanted me to come to the crew. And I'm like, you know, I, I never even got the engine experience I was looking for. Yeah. You didn't have shit for that first right. season. Which I think is more pliable to my end goal, which is becoming a municipal fireman yeah. at some point. So I'm just like, no, I got to get this engine experience. So had a good year on the engine most of the time. I think I did a couple roles filling in with the crew again. And, that was that. And then, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty good season, you know, learning the dynamics of what it is to be on being an engine crew member, all this stuff, you know, I've been in the, in the bay, you know, folding hose packs for endless amounts of time. It seems like and I do not miss that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and you look at the wall, you look at the clock and you're like, okay, I got three hours. And then you look at the clock, you swear it's been three hours. And, it's and all of a sudden you have minutes. four hours. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what happened? I'm time so traveling I, in reverse. A hundred percent, dude. So it's, I've, I've been there, man. I've, I've been the, I've, you know, you're the, mind you, I've, my, most of my career is, is uh, hotshot time, right? So yeah. big, big part of it. All of it almost. Um, so, you know, I've been that person that's like, you know, you see the crew roll out, you see the crew roll in and you're like, damn, dude, what did they do? Like, it's pretty sweet. You know, like you're the heroes type of shit. And while you're got 
duty coverage or whatever on that forest. So you're like, Ugh. you're sitting there like yeah, exactly. death watch on a dead fire or something. Right. Or so, waiting for a fire. <laughs> death watching station. All uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyways, it was cool. Did, did a bunch of eyes, loved it, whatever. I'm getting pretty specific here. So I'll move on. But 2003 rolls around. Um, you know, I'm looking for a little bit of change. I'm living, you know, I, I'm, I'm living about 40 minutes away. But as the crow fly from, from my station, but as a crow flies, I'm like 10 minutes away. So I got to drive these gnarly canyons to get to work when I could just work t- 10 or 15 minutes away on the, on, on, on the Eldorado. So I work a deal out with Eldorado and I do a transfer to their forest sometime around, I think it was July or August. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Anyway, so I go, I work on this engine we go to engine, we go on an engine strike team towards the end of the year and uh, we hit the Cedar fire, uh, in 2003, right. Which at the time was the biggest fire in California history. And, uh, first real f- experience with wooey, like, and, s- like the Cedar set fire down in San Diego, right? You got it, man. Yeah. Yeah. My actually, uh, some family members, some clo- they're not family technically, but yeah, like my mom's best friend, For she sure. lost her house in that the yeah. Cedar and the witch. Exactly. And the, the whole, like the, sh- the whole Southern state was blowing up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I remember we were on a, originally we went on a strike team to some fire in Camp Pendleton. I remember we were there for two or three days or something like this and up on this high peak and all of a sudden you just see all these smokes pop up and you're like, oh shit. And they're like, hey hey guys, like, guess what? You're gone. So, and you know, you're driving down the freeway, mind you, third season in, right? I'm still wet behind the ears and you're like passing fires to get to your fire and you're like, oh shit. It's like, like, this is What about that one? Like, what the heck's going on here? So... Uh, anyways, and this was, <clears throat> this was the year where, uh, my decision to stick with the agency that I work for and, uh, become a true blue wildland firefighter with the passion of a wildland firefighter started showing up, started to get that bleed green. Yeah. A little bit, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're on this fire and I'm in a strike team and, uh, it's pretty obvious, you know, when you, you're driving through hardcore woo situations, like the one that we're in kind of more of a classic woo situation that we see now almost. And, uh, it's the, you see, and I don't mean to bad mouth red trucks. You guys are awesome and, uh, definitely serve a purpose, but you know, these guys are in town They're they're doing structure protection things like this. And you drive by them, you drive by them. And the closer you get, the closer you get, the color changes a little bit to the truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you're up on top of this thing and, and the color of truck you see is green or yellow <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? But it's less red. Yes. Uh, <laughs> diminishing shades of red. Yeah. 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 There's like and, an inverse relationship of red sure. to closer to the fire line at for times. Sure. Not all the time, but not, not all the time for yeah. sure. And I, and I don't want to be, you know, there's obviously Cal Fire kicks ass and does a lot of great stuff in those situations. And they're just got a top. different mission, man. Different mission. For sure. Same with the municipal guys. Absolutely. So, um, but anyways, this is my experience. You know, I'm like 21 ish years old or something like this. And, uh, you know, this fire's blowing up and I remember we're protecting this community. We're burning off around a, a big donut hole, essentially what we're calling this of like a couple hundred homes or whatever. And, uh, this, you know, I got this hose and I'm doing the hero shit as the fire's backing down and like putting it out. And like, you can feel like the first experience where you feel like the, the air from the main fire, like pulling in 
you know, oh, as, yeah. as you're facing the main fire or whatever, you're not, you're not really seeing it quite yet, but you can see the calm, like the glow and you feel the air being pulled towards the main column from your back. And as you're lighting behind the structures, you're watching that, like get pulled get in pulled as well. You're like, wow, fire. this is incredible. You know, like pretty insane as all the ashes pelting you in the face, which is weird. Yeah. It's like, it's, like <laughs> it's almost going opposite directions. The wind's going yeah. in there, but like the plumes dropping shit on you. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling to feel that totally. for the first time. Exactly, man. It's super weird. And I remember at the time, just like, what well, this is really confusing to me. And, you know, third year guy kind of like, you know, maybe at the time was halfway paying attention to any of my basic classes <laughs> about extreme fire behavior or whatever. But anyway, so it was my first experience with this stuff. And, uh, this, this gentleman pulls in as it seems like, you know, Armageddon's taking place. And I didn't know who this guy was. He pulls up next to me while I'm protecting this home, jumps out and goes, runs up to me and goes, Hey man. I was like, Hey, what's up? Like wearing, you know, uniform and stuff, firefighter for sure. Yeah. goes, Hey, uh, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm the deputy IC and I just want to let you know, like you guys are the ones protecting, you guys are the ones trying to put this fire out. Thank you. And shakes my hand leaves. And I was just like, Whoa, it was a deputy IC. That's what he said. Huh. <laughs> so what, what he was doing out of his, uh, out of uh, his command post, out of his command post, who knows, maybe He's it was deputy just- ops or something. Maybe it's been too many years and I can't remember exactly who the person was, but regardless, this person made a huge impact in my life. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, was like, dude, I'm, I'm bought and sold now, dude. I'm ready to be a wildland firefighter for this agency forever. Was it him specifically that like uh, said the thank you for the first time or was it like just because it was him, like a, it was a position like that kind of like made you feel. Uh, that I think it was a compilation of thoughts of like seeing who was on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember, I remember watching video, uh, you know, the governor was our governor at the, the time governor. and he, uh, you know, he came in to see everybody at camp and congratulate them. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, I, I wasn't there. Yeah. Guess, guess where I was. You're on the lines. I was on the line, man. Yeah. So who's he saying thank you to? So there's, I mean, <laughs> I'm building this pride and maybe an ego for sure, but well, everybody's got that dude. Right. Totally. Come on. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So anyways, uh, and then I, maybe, maybe it was this process of like seeing these things, doing some pretty gnarly stuff. And then someone going like confirming like, Hey, thank you. You're the, you guys are the man. Like, thank you for doing what you're doing. And all of a sudden I was just like, click. That's when it kind of went off or this is what I want to do. This is, this is my path in life. hundred percent, dude. So, so that's what I did, man. And at the time I, you know, I wasn't really sure, you know, as I did a transfer. So I'm like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll come back 2004 and, you know, do it again with this engine. My captain was a ex smoke jumper and for like 10 years or whatever. And he was like, man, you got to, get off this engine dude and go do other stuff. Like, mind you, I'm like obsessed with fitness. I'm, I'm obsessed with, uh, challenging myself physically to like be as good as I possibly can. I've always been this way. Yeah. Even as a kid. So like, you know, and, and so I, the fire world, you know, specifically wild and firefighting, like one of the best things about our jobs, we get a PT for it's not a lot of jobs out there that provide that. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, you know, so I got this deep passion. He kind of sees this potentially maybe in me and, and is trying to encourage me to go do smoke jumping. 
And so I, 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 uh, you know, I go do the whole rigmarole visiting some bases and stuff like this. And, um, 2000 end of 2005, I did another season on that engine and, and 2005 comes around and I started, uh, I apply for some hotshot crews. I apply for some smoke jump bases and smoke jump didn't work out, but the hotshot thing did. And Perfect. so, yep. I land a, a, a job with a hotshot crew back on the tall national forest and, uh, was there Sawyer, uh, lead firefighter style became an apprentice, you know, like Dude, there's an underrated program right there. The apprenticeship. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it, man. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, what's funny is, um, I really pushed back on it for a long time, man. I look back at it now and I'm like, man, you're such an idiot. Like, I did the same shit because you know, I was a, I was a temp for eight years. I was six. Yeah. And I was like, I finally pulled my head out of my ass and said, man, let's for go sure. do this apprenticeship thing. Yeah, man. It, it, it took what it took for me to finally commit to it was getting married and having a kid. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's time to put on wake my, you up. I'm trying to put on my big boy pants. So, I mean, I look back. I mean, I don't regret any of it, dude. I had some amazing off seasons. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like traveling the world and snowboarding some amazing, um, places, but, uh, you know, you have a wife and kid and all of a sudden your priorities change pretty significantly and, Drastically. and, uh, and so the career and plus, uh, you know, I applied a couple of times and they would offer me the job and I'd say, no, at the time, what, what it was for me is I, they didn't even know who I was they knew my name on a list, but they didn't know any of my background. And for some reason that just rubbed me wrong because I wasn't being, uh, I wasn't being, um, considered based on what I've done. I was being considered to fill a slot. Yeah. So <clears throat> that kind of bugged me, but man, honestly, dude, like I said, you get married, you have a kid, you got to put that ego aside and, and do what's right. And at the end of the day, looking back, maybe I would have done it a little bit differently only because I knew I was going to do this job forever. And, you know, stocking up some more coin in the old retirement there probably would have been pretty nice. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> so, uh, anywho. So, yeah. So, in, so where am I at here? 2006, I get a job. It's the first time I, I just got this new dope girlfriend. Um, it's the first year I'm on a hotshot crew. And, you know, we do a thousand hour season. And you can imagine the the anxiety and struggles that was because I have this new girlfriend, you know what I mean? She, yeah. she ain't never seen no fire. And all of a sudden I'm a hotshot doing hotshot crew shit. And that's rough, dude. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, luckily she, uh, stuck with me and supported me and, and, uh, continued to do so. And eventually we got married and, uh, man, I better not screw these dates up. 2007. Oh, I think no pressure, <laughs> no pressure. 2007. I think it is. We just had our, uh, we've been together for 15 years, which is nice, pretty rad. Man. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we got, we got married, we had a kid 2008. I think that was the year I kind of got the apprenticeship job, continued to be on that crew, became a squad boss. Um, and then in 2016, I, I left and went to, uh, um, the crew that I am now as a captain and got the soup job two years ago or last season. Sorry. Not two years ago. Yeah. So it was two, I always get that one confused too. So it was yeah. last year, last year I got the yeah. job in April. Yeah. Which you know, to tell a little bit more of the story there is, uh, you know, in 2000, I remember in 2006 when I got the job, I, we went to Alaska and, uh, I was like, dude, this is incredible, dude. First year hotshot for some reason, I don't know. They're, they were stupid enough to give me the lead saw, which 
as a superintendent, like, let me just tell everybody, like the lead saw is, is pretty cool, but it's saw teams, man. You ain't <laughs> check like, your ego. You, yeah. You guys are all supposed to be working with each other, but as a, uh, as a lead Sawyer, you know, there's a lot of like pride that comes with that. You know, like I'm the guy in the front, like setting the yeah. pace, dude, like that's pretty badass, Right. So that, that's pretty cool. So I'm like, man, this is really rad. I'm in Alaska. I remember sitting on this, uh, in this like uh, river bank looking out and it's a huge river bank. If anybody's been to, I think we we're on the Yukon, maybe I can't remember shit. And sitting there just this like really special moment I had where, uh, I look back at my crew cooking dinner underneath this tent and stuff and the superintendent and all the dudes are just laughing and having a great time, you know, into shift style. Like everybody just put in some hard work, yeah, enjoying life. And I was just like, dude, I want to be a superintendent. That's what's up. That's when you kind of clicked and you're yeah, just like, 2006. Yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Trip to Alaska and just like experiencing that moment. Just like, dude, I want to be, I think I want to be a soup someday. And right then I set myself a goal. And, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm cruising through being a, being a hotshot crew member and a squatty. And, you know, I experienced more loss, you know, like, um, I think we all do at some point you do this job long enough, dude, you're going to experience some loss. Oh yeah. Another kid on my, uh, on my squad, my mod, um, you know, he passed away in the off season too. That was really hard especially after you get to know somebody for six months, you know, they become, you become tight. Well, it's like family, dude. They always say it fire family. family. They, there's no two ways around it. It's it family. Is, it is family, dude. It really is. Uh, I believe that. Um, and, uh, so that was rough. And, uh, again, you kind of don't really, even to that point, you don't really know how to deal with your emotions. You know what I mean? I yeah. think. Well, that's another thing too. I wanted to ask you. I want to pick your brain. Sure, totally. Like, Hotshot superintendent, man. You're kind of like, the I, not I'm not gonna say father figure, but you're kind of it that in a sense you're responsible. You shoulder the burden of a lot of this the, the fire family, your crew, right? Mm. I mean, how do you see that, <clears throat> man? That's a you know I don't know. I think uh, a first year hotshot, like yeah, dude. Like the the at the end of the day, man, I I care deeply about the people that I that work f for me, or or more accurately, the people I work with. Yeah, like like deeply like they're they are my family i have a a very i have a responsibility like to be honest with you like um to bring these people back home yeah um whether you like it or not like we all have individual decisions to make right that's human nature right like you can't control everything that people do but that we got lives outside of fire too and we got lives outside of fire but the decisions i make ha can have significant consequences I, I take that i shoulder that that's that's the heavy shit yeah for me it's like like how do i take care of these folks the best i can bring them home to their loved ones or their pooch or whatever you know and and uh at the end of the day be good about the decisions i made and all that kind of stuff like it, it's pretty difficult sometimes for sure but it's also like you know you go through your career at times and you if you do it right you know you you pick up these skills along the way and, uh, you keep the mission in mind, I think. And it kind of helps you and, and, and the biggest one, the biggest thing is surround yourself with dope people Yeah, that can check your ass or, um, have the freedom to bring things up that you, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, is constructive or, or whatever, you know, like people you trust, people you like, it makes the job way more fun, which isn't super important. But yeah, if you're I not having fun, man. You probably no, should find dude. another career. 
Absolutely. I don't know how you couldn't have fun <laughs> in this career. I mean, you're lighting shit on fire. You're yeah. having you yeah, know, time in your life, you know, yeah. camping, camping with your friends, basically. Yeah. The job kind is, the job's incredible. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I, I love this job. Like I, and, um, yeah, I love it for sure. I think a lot of people do though. That's the thing though. It's like a lot of people get, it's not for everybody. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people out there, it's not a lifelong career. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't for me. I did 11 years never got to go to Alaska like you, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know, I had to change it up, man. Uh, yeah, it was just a personal decision of mine. I had my reasons and, and that's okay, man. Like I, like I said, I, uh, people leave, they come and go all the time, man. Like oh, yeah. and that's something we got to get used to. It ain't, it ain't slowing down. Well, it's not the end all be all. Either. It's not the, the end fire's all be all. always going to be there. And if you care about your folks, man, honestly, like you want, you want what's right for them. You want what's yeah. best for them. And if it's not working for this outfit, then that's okay. Yeah. I'm that's never going to stop anybody from no. leaving a crew. They want to like, like I've had to deal with this uh, last season I was in and yeah. I was all like, dude, if this isn't for you, man, I mean, sure. I'm not going to get mad or like right. get pissed at you. If you want to leave and go do something else, if you want to go to structure or mm -hmm. you want to like pursue healthcare or whatever it has, dude, dude, you, it's, you got to make what life best for yourself. <laughs> hundred percent, man. Absolutely. Um, but I do pride myself on being a really good salesman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing too, though, is like I, all that firefighting experiences that I've had, you know, all of yeah. the, all those like gems, I wouldn't have traded that for the world. I may be no. out of it now, but it is hands down one of the best goddamn jobs I've sure. ever, ever had. There's nothing that would replace that. Yeah. I mean, for me, man, excuse me. LaCroix getting you. Yeah. A little LaCroix action there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, for me, the job provides a, a shit ton of purpose, dude. Like, oh, it, yeah. it gives me like this vehicle to, uh, chase a lot of, uh, passions, um, like physical fitness, wellness, all these things. Like it, it provides this awesome space where I can actually do that. Yeah. Be um, a complete human, be a complete human. I, I love that stuff. It gives me the ability to hang with the homies all the time. Right. You know, if yeah. you surround yourself with good people, you're going to work, hanging out with people you like, that's it's not really a job. Then it turns into this, just, it's almost selfish to say, like, it's just this cool kick it job, you know, yeah. at times, at times, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, there's difficult moments, but, um, but it also like, uh, I'm a true believer. Like, um, if you want to learn stuff about yourself, you need to put yourselves in, you need to put yourself in an uncomfortable position frequently. And this, nobody grows in comfort though. That's nobody grows complacency in complacency either. hundred percent. And this job is going to do that. Oh, absolutely. It's going to put you, it's going to challenge you to grow. And, uh, it's how you step up to the plate. And like I say, like, it's also how you have like acquired tools and how you know how to use those tools. Yeah. How you've incorporated discipline in your life, all these things. But I'm, I promise you, man, if you are, if you're willing to, um, accept the challenges ahead of you that this job can bring to you then you're going to be better for it every time. Oh yeah. And so, and, uh, you know, that's what's up. And, and, you know, I think, uh, shit, you know, like, and I think that's something, one of the main reasons why I wanted to come up here and talk is because, uh, you know, I set this massive goal, right. To become a hotshot superintendent in 2006. Yeah. And I got it last year. And, uh, I didn't set no goals after that. Oh, you know what I mean? And so that wasn't your only Everest that you wanted to climb. I mean, do I, you even have another well, Everest? I'm using an analogy. This here. is, this becomes the, uh, a little bit of what the problem was that I faced. Right. So I set this goal. I, I, uh, I get the job in I think April you're immediately jamming down COVID stuff. Yeah. Dealing with COVID all of a sudden you get into fire season, right? 
Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to be a superintendent and deal managing all the stuff. Good thing. I had an awesome supporting cast, like with my, you know, the, my captain squaddies, all the dudes, man, they're killed it. Um, and I definitely had resources to, to help me through the process. I mean, shoot Aaron Humphrey. I mean, Hope. I mean, Jesus dude, like a uh, great resource, great, a men- mentor, great man. mentor, man, like set me up to be successful for sure. So, um, yeah, dude. So, you know, I, I set this goal and then, you know, I go through the fire season and, and I don't, there's a lot of excuses that, that I could give myself, right. I could be like, Oh dude, epic worst fire season ever on the planet. Um, you know, like <laughs> there's a million things, dude, new superintendent, COVID, uh, what, whatever you can throw at it, dude, we can give excuses to the fire season all the time. And I'll explain to you in a minute here what, what I'm getting at, but, uh, I didn't see the season as that I saw the season as my job. Yeah. I, you know, everybody in these, the States are dealing with the same issues, uh, yeah, it's not ex- just unique to it, your hundred percent or your, your there's crew. a lot of shared suffering. Yeah. You know, so like I, I didn't feel sympathy for myself or or whatever. And I even when people would say, like, oh man, that's pretty challenging as a new I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's kind of just is what it is, dude. Like yeah. it, move on, you know, you know, and do your thing. Well, you gotta you gotta adapt to it, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt and I felt that during the fire season. I thought it was uh successful. Everybody came home. Um, and that's and we had some amazing fire experiences, but it was when I entered the post season where I started to feel off. Yeah. And, uh, how would you describe it? Like I was depressed. Yeah. Um, for sure. I was, did you, I mean, when you're going into that though, did you know what, what that feeling was coming on or a hundred percent? Did it take you yes. to look at it in retrospect? Yes. So this is, this is, uh, this, I uh, maybe not initially, not initially, maybe not initially. Right. Okay. So, you know, I come, I come off the fire season and all of a sudden I'm just like, um, to explain the story is like, uh, and I'm not, again, man, like I want to make sure everybody knows, like, I'm not trying to gain sympathy. I don't, I don't need uh, pity necessarily. I'm, I'm really just trying to explain to you my story and let people know that you're not fucked up. There's a way out of this shit and you can, you can become better. Um, if you focus and you deal and you look into it, it, the things that are in front of you and go to war with your brain a little bit. Yeah. And so anyways, I, I come off the fire season and, uh, you know, immediately it's like fire season's over. The guys are getting laid off and you're almost forced into isolation with the COVID stuff where your supporting cast is gone now. Right. Yeah. Temps feel this all the time. <clears throat> so um, you know, you lay the temps off and then you kind of just <laughs> send them off, you know, yeah. and like, oops. Okay. See you next year. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and so anyways, uh, you know, and I started having, and then it's like, okay, we got these things to do and all these other things start just the winter projects start to yeah, stack Cause you're up. 26 and 0. I'm a 26 and oh man, work doesn't stop when yeah. the fire season stops. Like the, it almost, it's a different type of work. And so I'm starting to think like, damn dude, like I reached my goal and now I'm just going to live for the next 10 to 12 years on this hamster wheel, just rinse and repeat, like just in the, the gears of bureaucracy. Yeah. Just like, okay, six months of firefighting, never see your family or loved ones, you know, watching your kids just blossom and grow into people like before your eyes. And you're like, what the hell, where'd the time go? And then, uh, 
and then you hit winter time and it's a whole new set of priorities and there's you're like <sighs> like <laughs> like what you're anxiety like, fuck i got so many acres yeah, to burn yeah the anxiety's coming in yeah and you're you're like i mean i don't know i have a love hate relationship with uh firefight like firefighting references and, and analogies but it's like you're putting out spot fires yeah well, I think everybody's got a love hate relationship yeah. with fire in general, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So you're like putting out all these spot fires mentally, like do, 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 do. And, and uh, you lose that, th- you know, 30,000 foot perspective. Um, and during the fire season, it's, it's clear. The mission's very clear. Yeah. Put the fire out most of the time. Like it's this ridge line. It's this, we got to do that. We got to burn this, like yeah, whatever goals and objectives. It's yeah. super, to me, it's simple. It's, um, it's easy to, uh, get through six months firefighting personally. Um, well, you know what you're doing. Yeah. The yeah. mission's clear. It's, it's just, and to me it's clear. And, and I don't know, maybe 20 years of doing it too is like, maybe it's easier to say that um, now, but you hit the winter time and this, all these emotions started rushing in on me like, shit, dude, like I'm, this is going to be my life until I retire or whatever. Right. Yeah. And what's after that? I never set any goals. I, I achieved my ultimate goal. I was super pumped, but now it's like hamster wheeling. And so like, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here confused and a little lost and this is where, um, on where to take my life. And I think this is where we start relating a little bit, you know, like, and you start experiencing like, man, the losses I've had, the missed family opportunities and time, um, you know, I've had all the struggles of trying to make a mortgage, you know what I mean? Uh, not to go too far down pay issues, but like, <laughs> that's a whole other, exactly. But bag, you know, but dude. you know, like yeah. these are the things like, uh, and you start to see like, damn dude, like maybe it's easy just to step off the hamster wheel. And what I'm talking about is like, I had, was having thoughts of suicide and, uh, that was the first time in my life that I can remember ever feeling that shit. And, uh, it's, it was a really awkward feeling that I knew, um, didn't belong. Yeah. I was like, what, where is this coming from? You know what I mean? Um, and man, shoot, dude, like I've been there, dude. I've been the person who has heard someone say like, Oh yeah, I've had thoughts of suicide or whatever. And, um, in your mind, you're sitting there, someone who's maybe never thought that before. And you're like, you're trying to show compassion, passion. You're trying to relate to the situation potentially. You don't necessarily know how, but there's a, you don't really, you don't really know how in the right way. And you kind of, in a way, like, don't you realize there's so much to live for? And that's such an easy thing to say to somebody who's so worthless. It's such a worthless statement to somebody (laughs) in that position, man. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I'm now I'm in this position, right. And I'm feeling these things. I'm like, Whoa, dude, this is heavy shit. And I'm in, in the back of my mind, I'm reminding myself like, yeah, you know, this is not like, this isn't what's up, dude. Like, uh, this shouldn't be here right now. Yeah. And you know, there's lots to live for you know, this, this is, this is maybe the, I'm reluctant to say the easy way out potentially, but at the moment, dude, it was real. It was tangible in, in my mind, like uh, that this was a, a potential option. That's fucking heavy. Yeah. It was, it was super, Jeez. super heavy. And, uh, honestly, um, you know, right away, like, uh, and what got me through it, you know what I mean? Like I never got to the point where I was like, you know, it's time to go. It's time to go. Like I've yeah. got, I got 
something set up ready to do this. Like that never happened. Um, I was very patient with myself um, because, because I needed to think about it. I knew it was here and I knew I needed space to really uh, figure out what the fuck was going on here. And um, to be quite honest with you, it was because of the tools and the discipline that I've had have in my life that got me through it yeah. and the support. Well, that's um, another thing too, is like, I mean, the support that, that, that whole thing, the support in general, man, mm -hmm. we need that. Yeah. And I, and it's, man, the support thing is rad. Um, you know, I, right away I told my wife once I started like, See, not a lot of people have the courage to do that though. <laughs> that's the thing. They sit there and suffer in silence. Yes, affirm, man. affirm. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, the message I have for that, um, in particular is, uh, you know, we, in this career, we separate our lives a lot of times into two parts. Yeah. It's heavily com compartmentalized. Yeah. Yeah. Family life or home life and our fire life or work life. And I'm here to tell you, and I tell this to my guys all the, all the time. Yeah. I say guys, uh, there's gals in there too, guys and gals, my crew that, uh, you don't have a home life. You don't have a work life. You have one goddamn life. Yeah. Period. Same. And, and if you, if we spend, if we, if we, uh, don't bring in the people, um, that love us the most, our wives, our brothers, sisters, whoever's close to you, if we don't bring them in and, and communicate to them what we're going through, they won't have the tools to help you when it's time straight up. And so, you know, this has taken a lot of years for me to understand this. No one gave me the blueprint. Well, no one has a blueprint no, because no everybody's different. You're an individual. I'm an individual. <laughs> we talked about that on the phone, man. It's like yeah. everybody's, there's no one size fit all. hundred like, percent. Dude, solution that's for this. super true. Like everybody's sit, like, if I've learned anything, it's things are way more complex and unique, um, than, uh, than we all give credit to. Oh yeah. There's always some weird thing going behind, you know, happening behind the lines, at least dealing with humans. So, uh, but anyways, I've cultivated this, this, flowing communication with my wife over lots of struggling, man. Like, I mean, we've been close to divorce a few times and, um, but we're super healthy now because, uh, we've provided the space for each other to be individuals. And so I can come to her. I came to her with these thoughts and I was like, Hey, like I'm, I'm struggling right now. I need time away from, this race and I need time to think I need to provide myself some space. And I was telling her I was having these thoughts and she was like, message received. What can I do? Yeah. And, uh, she suggested, you know, taking a little bit of time off. So I, I did took some time off and I got real with my head and I just spent some time thinking. Right. Um, and put, put, used to the tools that I've gathered along the way of this career and also, um, being addicted to personal development and, uh, you know, I can get into the different types of stuff, but, you know, I kind of have a list of things that I do that I've <clears throat> a list of things that I think about quite often. And really what was, what my deal was is I was, just confused on 
um, the differences between what I needed and what I wanted. Um, and, uh, I had to get real with if I was providing those essential needs first, uh, so I could set better intentions and, uh, you know, which was, it's anyways. So that's, that's kind of what happened there. There's another time also in like 2016, 17, I didn't have any like weird things, but I had a moment where I was losing my, I identified super hard with this job. Right. Yeah. And which a lot of people do. We do, man. It's, yeah. part, it's part of the game a little bit. Um, but I've come to realize over lots of practice and thinking about this stuff that, you know, identifying with things that can change can get you into a trap. And, um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, your emotions, your name, even your career, the place you live, all those things can be changed in an instant. Oh yeah. They're not, they're not forever. Right. Well, nothing's, I mean, no, ultimately, yeah, ultimately, (laughs) I mean, ultimately nothing's forever. So, I mean, like, so I was finding myself in this and I think this is a pitfall potentially for some folks. It was for me anyways, is, you know, I, I was identifying as a hotshot, right? I'm, I'm this hotshot, this hard ass, super badass dude and just deal with all this crap, you know, like tough as nails, like run miles and hike hills forever and cut and do all the things. Right. (laughs) <laughs> 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm starting to have these feelings, right? I'm a new captain. I'm starting to have these feelings where I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm having these feelings that don't match up with the things I used to identify with. I have a beautiful wife and I have two daughters. Um, you can't talk to two young girls like you would a bunch of hot shots. Yeah. <laughs> They're not the squaddies on your crew, man. No, 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 exactly. So I, that became started becoming super apparent. Right. And, um, and, uh, also I have, my youngest is got a, a disease called cystic fibrosis. So there was a lot of challenges with that, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, have these different emotions that they just don't line up with how I would have been ad- identifying myself with. Yeah. How many years after like you initially got onto the hot shotting world, like did that really take, you said 2016. Yeah. So, yeah, so about 10, 11 years or so to really like figure out like I, th- this has changed. This has changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think this is an issue potentially that maybe some of us or some people can relate to. Like I said, this is me, but uh, you know, <clears throat> what happens when you've identified with something so hard it's become you, who you are, right. You yeah. tell people, Hey, my name's Ben, I'm a hotshot or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden something changes, you experience a loss and you start feeling emotions that don't line up with what a hotshot is that you've defined in your head. Then there comes the anxiety, anxiety, circle, the depression and you're spiraling and you're like, where am I? I'm in this, de- I, I can't figure it out. Like, and that's where I was. I was like, man, I, I can't do this job no more. I got to get the hell out of here. Like, so I'm like trying to pursue all this other shit. And like, I'm like, fuck dude, I'm, I don't know if I can be a hotshot anymore. Honestly, like I can relate to that <clears> though, man. Yeah. I don't relate to the people I work with anymore because they think they're this. And I think I'm this now. And like, I'm just really, all I was doing was I was not identifying with what I thought a hotshot was anymore. I'm di- identifying with something else. Yeah. And it was, uh, through the process of talking to some really close friends, um, that helped me see, like, Hey man, like you need to be yourself, dude. Like, yeah. Like stop trying to pretend to be this or that or whatever. Like at the end of the day, you being you, you being authentic 
people will accept you. That's what people want. Well, that's the thing too, is like you're a young, impressionable hotshot or a firefighter, <laughs> whatever you want to like call yourself at that point. Yeah. It's easy to fall into that trap where you for identify sure. with this and you're, you put on an act for sure. Oh, I've seen it so many times, especially it really hits hard about that third year, man. Right. When they're starting to get a little bit of, you know, miles under their boots, but yeah, it fucking happened to me, man. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens to everybody. I, and, uh, and you know, it's another message I pass on to my crew a lot of times is like, Hey man, I want you to be you. Yeah. That's what I want. I want you to be you. Don't be the person you think I want you to be like, be who you are. Like that's super important. Right. Because I've been there. I've been in the place where you are putting on your mat, the different masks you wear in your life. Yeah. And, and the person living underneath that mask is never gets to show their face. So when it comes time to show that person, like you've unexer you're unexercised, <laughs> you haven't developed it, you know? So anyways, through the process of some help, some other support, I started to, to understand this, this idea of like not identifying, you know? Yeah. Don't identify with these things. And it goes in with emotions and all this stuff too. Like, you know, I work with people, uh, outside of the agency, general population stuff on whatever quasi lifestyle design type things. Yeah. And this like, is a big topic. Kind of like a life coaching kind yeah, of, yeah. kind of more or less. I hate using well, that term because no, everybody's yeah. a life coach, but For you sure. do a legitimate <clears throat> sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I, I do this with some folks and, um, and that's a big part of it, right? Like, yeah. uh, uh, the things that have happened to us in our past, right. We identify with those. Well, and, yeah. And, and so like, uh, the, one of the common threads is, you know, we have this sense of like not being good enough. Um, almost everybody can relate to that. We want to have this feeling of worth. Yeah. And so, um, but I mean, you know, between the ages of, um, maybe, uh, some of the professionals you've talked to, have talked about this stuff, but you know, like you basically become the person you are by the time you're like seven years old, Yeah, you know, like all your learning, a lot of your learning happens there. Well, your personality is pretty much developed by then. Right. I think kind they, of. they call it like your neuroplasticity or something like this. <clears throat> um, I don't know, man. I'm a dumb caveman. <laughs> someone's someone's going to be like, yeah, you said that wrong, Ben. And I was like, yeah, oh, well, yeah, fair enough. But anyways, uh, the point is, is you become a lot of who you are between like the ages of zero and seven, basically. And, um, between those moments, there's things that, uh, you know, it was coached on to me is like, you get provided these stories. Uh, most of these stories aren't true. You know, these stories were given to you from your parents or whoever you're around. And, uh, but those are stories that were given to them. Right. And you see this like chain reaction. Right. And a co really common one is this feeling of not being good enough. And you carry this feeling with you all the way through adulthood, but you don't remember where it came from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So this is part of this identifying, like to, to have growth, you have to get real with like your past and look deep and, and confront that shit and let go. Because yeah. there's no way you would tell a seven-year-old right now that they ain't good enough. No, but I can see where it can get misconstrued. Sure. My grandfather, yeah. my grandfather, remember that, uh, that truck out there? Yeah. Yeah. He gave me that when I was 16. Right. But when he, he gave me actually a speech when he gave me that, he's like, now son, mm. he's, he's Southern guy. So I'm going to try and do a Southern accent here, but now son, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you still failed at that. Southern yeah. He's a Texas dude, but <laughs> yeah, yeah he's right. a great guy, man. I love the shit out of him. But, awesome. uh, yeah. when he gave me that, he's gave me that 16 year old speech. Right. And like, all right, I don't give a shit what you do in your life. You could be a drug dealer. You could be a car salesman. You could be a real estate agent. You'd be a lawyer, doctor. I don't give a shit what you do in your life, but 
whatever you do, mm-hmm. be the very best at it. Mm-hmm. So that could, I could see that statement, even though it's a profound and like beneficial one, mm-hmm. it's like an expression of love. You know, it's like, I trust you, you're doing well, just keep doing good. Right. Mm-hmm. I could see how that could be, I guess, turned around to where you're not good enough because you're always constantly trying to improve. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that comes from, uh, um, I think what you just described right there is like someone you respect and love the intention that it was given. Yeah. Like he's, he's telling you like, Hey, I love you to death and put in the work, man, because that's where you're going to find success yeah. is by putting in the work to, to grow and be better version of yourself all the time. Rather than maybe what I'm trying to explain is like someone saying like, uh, a little kid being like, I want to be an astronaut. And your father's saying, you'll never be an astronaut. That's not what we do. You see what I'm saying? I got you saying. So there's a, there's a different path being, there's a different thought process that gets carried through. Totally different neural pathway. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so that's, and a lot of these things that happen into childhood, they're not intended potentially in the way maybe they're, again, the world's dynamic as shit. I'm oversimplifying a ton, but a lot of times, one of the things that we identify with is our past and we latch onto this shit and we carry it in all the way through adulthood and it takes a little bit of courage and a little bit of observation, a lot of bit of observation to look at that stuff deeply and, and say, Hey, that's, that was given to me when I was seven. Like, is, do I really feel like that's true? Yeah. No. If it's, if you can honestly answer that, no, then you can start constructing a life that you really want now. Yeah. You well, we I mean? all, we all have our past traumas. You know, my 100%. mom passed away when I was 12 years old and then sure. I carried that fucking chip on my shoulder yeah. ever till I was like, I don't know, probably 28. Yeah, man. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing, dude, is like that power of like not letting your, your past traumas define you as a person. Yes. And it took me a long, long fucking time totally, to dude. realize that. It does. It does. And it's, it's admirable that you came to a place where you were able to confront that, you know, unfortunately some of us have a hard time doing that, but mm-hmm. It's again, it's this process of identifying, um, and and that kind of stuff. And we do the same thing with emotions. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we'll, we'll latch on to, I I am angry, you know, I am depressed. Like these things, like you, you make them a, a part of the essential you essentially. And, uh, and emotions change, man. Like they're going to fluctuate, you know what I mean? So this is kind of the, the non-identifying things kind of in the middle of something I've cultivated, but, um, um, it'd probably be easier just to walk down the line, but you know, it's for me, it's trying to figure out the difference between needs and wants, right? You want to, we need to understand the difference between needs and wants. Like it's important because when you, once you figure that out, you can set better intentions. That doesn't mean you go after, you don't, you stop going after things that you want you just understand the reasons why you're doing it. Yeah. Differentiating the two. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because once we start providing for the wants more than the needs, then uh, you're kind of going down a slippery slope there. Oh yeah. And it can, you start constructing a life based on desire and typically based on what other people are telling you it should look like. Well, that's another thing too, is we're force fed that shit ever since we're, you know, impressionable seven year old, you know, look at advertisements and and look at this Rolex. I mean, these fuck these lights, this is definitely not a need. (laughs) They look cool though. They look fucking bitchy. I wanted them. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get those. Uh, Yeah. But I had intent behind it. I knew that intent. Exactly. And so like, I I know this is maybe confusing on how this ties into me getting better from feeling like 
having these really challenging thoughts in my head after the season, but you know, so I took some time off to get back on track here to tell the story. I took some time off. Uh, I had my, my wife was amazing. I love you. She's listening. I'm sure she will at some point. Um, and she gave me the time to have some alone time. And I want to make sure that under, everybody understands, like there's a difference between alone and loneliness. Oh yeah. Aloneness and lonely loneliness. Right. And aloneness to me is a moment where I can be comfortable with who I am and not need anything external to create happiness for me. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm going to be here. And so anyways, this was, this was given to me or provided to me. And I took a lot of time to think about myself. Um, and the way my needs work out for me, have I provided myself the proper amount of movement? Um, you know, our, our society has done a good job of confusing the, the difference between needs and wants, right? Yeah. It kind of blurs that line. Blurs the line, dude. And uh, you go on to Facebook, you go on to Instagram, any social media platforms, whatever you see the advertisements for, Hey, you should look this way. Hey, you should buy this product. It'll bring happiness. Hey, this, this device will tell you how much sleep you aren't getting. You know what I mean? Like I got one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I hate it. But in your mind, but in in my mind, like, Hey man, if I was providing for my needs, what I need, if I, if I was getting enough sleep based on what I need, uh, would I need a device to tell me that? Probably not. No, no, but nobody knows what that is. How much sleep is it? How much movement is it? So like the, my life has been about growing a, a solid knowledge of the basics on what those needs are for me. And so the first one on my list, and that's just you. This is just, this is me. Yeah. The, you can control you. You can't I can, control anybody yeah, else. And, and that's we'll, a big, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get there. So, uh, so the first one on my list, um, when I take time every day, I sit down and I think about these things. If you want to call it meditation, that's cool for me. It's just creating some space to think. So, um, it's movement. Have I provided myself enough movement? I mean, moving your body, your body wants to move, man. Yeah, it doesn't want to, to. And, and our, and, and everybody's going to agree, dude, like we've created a, a great, we've innovated. This is what humans do. We innovate, right? Yeah. We and build we've made, bigger and better shit every exactly. year. Yeah. And we've made life easier and easier to the point where if you don't want to, you don't have to use your legs anymore. So got it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. it's just the truth. Right. But I mean, ca- I mean, cars, I mean, every, all of our transportation, I mean, it's the, I mean, it's so rad that it's, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Right. Yeah. You can, I drove two hours to get here. If I had to do this on foot or with a horse, I'd be like, Hey, I'll see you in a week. You (laughs) know, like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) So there's a lot of really great stuff. It's also the, you know, and I love this stuff. It's the only time I I had a, (laughs) I'm jumping all over the place, but I don't care, dude. This is what it's for. uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, you know, it's pretty funny because I was driving down the highway not, not too long ago and like we're, I'm in the fast lane or whatever. And I look over and there's a guy in the, the middle lane there and I see him and he's driving a civic, whatever it is, some not so great car, but a car nonetheless. And he's in his car going wherever he's going and he's just stuffing his face with a hamburger. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn, dude, this life is dope. Like if you were, I mean, it, that is in a way it's kind of disgusting to watch yeah. that. But at, at the same time, I'm like, dude, that how f- fucking rad 
is the fact that we can travel hundreds of miles in hours, uh, hours while eating food that we picked up on the side of the road at a drive through place dude, to dude, get dude. out of your car, dude, dude, yeah. that in itself is like, when you think about it, it's pretty incredible. Oh yeah. And, uh, you, you talk to like a, if you were to like go back in time and tell like some King that shit, he'd be like, what, what is this car? <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Like you're we're all just living. call you a witch or a sorcerer yeah. and just I mean, essentially you. we're living like Kings oh, yeah. in my opinion. Well, it's the thing too. I mean, we have so much opulence and right. like so much excess right. that even, you right. know, the lowest, uh, I guess defining of society, like poverty, even poverty, impoverished people. Yeah. Shit. Even they're like well-fed totally sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, for sure. We have I, so much excess that poor people are fat. Yeah. Yeah. Which awesome. is sad. Again, is there's sad. a lot of reasons behind that, but right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is, uh, we're innovators. Um, it's cool. But what we've done is we've pushed out the basic understanding of how to move correctly. Yeah. Right. Like back in the day, you would have to farm for your food or go gather that stuff. Yeah. You'd have to run it. animals to yeah, death. Exactly. Right. Movement was just incorporated into our evolution because that's what we needed to do to survive. Nowadays, you don't really need to move. Well, you do need to move to survive. Otherwise, you're going to develop some sort of issue potentially. But, um, anyways, so that's the first thing on my list, man. Like the first thing I think about and when I'm having issues or whatever, have I given myself enough movement that I, have I provided for the need of movement? Um, cause that is going to be your best antidepressant. It is for me. Oh yeah. Well, for a lot of people, I mean, that activity, 100%. man, if I don't work out in the morning, I'm much like, Pfft. exactly. I don't I, like stagnant all day, man. Dude, that's what's yeah. up. And you set up your day. I do it in the morning as well. I can talk about my day later if you want and tell you how I construct it. Maybe that helps some people, but movement's the first thing for mm -hmm. me. Right. Um, and so the next one I go to is nutrition. Have I provided my body what it needs to be properly nutritioned? Not, not what it wants. Not what it wants. Yeah. This is a tricky one. Food's always tricky, right? Like it is engineered for us to keep coming back, right? Like shop on the outside of the grocery store. That's always said, right? Box stuff, highly palatable foods, like all the stuff, man. Like that's not maybe what you need. But dude, I can tell you right now, I could crush a box of Cheez-Its in one sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's what's up. Want, not yeah, need. Like the, par like the Parmesan ones where no it gets way. all over your OG, fingers. dude. <laughs> OG only. There's one. I don't even know you. <laughs> baked cheddar snack cracker, and that is OG Cheez-Its. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, well, I don't. <laughs> I like it. That's Cheez-Its are awesome. I used to love Cheez-Its. Um, <laughs> but I like you know, the Parmesan, let's just stay on the Cheez-Its topic a little more. <laughs> the Parmesan ones, you know, get on your fingers, dude, and like yeah. cake your fingers. And then you'd be like, anyways, a little snack for later, a little snack for later. Anyway, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, yeah. So nutrition's, uh, what's up with the next one. So like how I, how I think about this is, uh, Again, we don't, uh, people don't know what they need, right? Again, you get on any media source or anything. There's a diet plan for everybody. Like yeah. Nutrition, again, none of this keto, stuff. Keto, paleo. Keto, paleo, vegetarianism, veganism. Pescatarian. What, what, all of whatever. It, There's all so many, so many different um, things. And in some way, a lot of them are saying, this is the diet for everyone. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Exactly. One. Yeah. And so I've been a health coach too. So like I've done a lot of nutrition coaching over the years. And, uh, again, I, I'm, you guys will find that, uh, human performance is a massive 
uh, passion and hobby of mine. Did you do something for like integrate some sort of uh, system for nutrition as far as like, uh, didn't you work with uh, the government on that one as far as agency wise? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're definitely working on a bunch of stuff okay. uh, right now. Um, so I know you guys did that sleep study too. Yeah. It's speaking uh, of things that are right. Uh, this, that's the sleep stuff's cool. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later Copy because that. there's that, that ties into some of these things because like, at the end of the day, we need to be making ourselves, we need to be educating ourselves all these things I'm talking about right now are all about providing yourselves basic understanding and, and getting those tools kind of sharpened up so you know how to use them and, and, and educating yourself on what your personal nutrition is yeah, um, and what works for you is super important because you cannot deny the physical body, what it needs, chemical chain reactions, all these things, right? Like in proper sleep too, goes kind of with the movement, right? Learn, yeah. learn how to sleep and all these things. So this is going to set you up for success, right? This is going to reduce the, the stress hormones and, and all the other things. So those are the first two things that I think about quite a bit, uh, when it comes to needs. And the next one is learning how to be the observer, uh, give your, you need to be the way I explain this to people is being able to sit on a park bench and watch like your people watching people playing in a park, walking by. You're not being the observer means observing yourself, observing the external world and how you react to it. And, uh, and, and this, this process of observing this external world and all these things provides you the space to see your emotions for what they are and then let them pass and not identify with them. We kind of hit identifying pretty hard, but that's the next thing that I look at. That's after. like a super Buddhist kind of mentality right there. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Made, well, made maybe it, it might be like, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, like I, I told you this on the phone yesterday, man, these thoughts and I, and things are, these are original things that I have come up with, but they've been said by a shit ton of people oh, yeah. through the course of humankind. Yeah. Like all over the world, all over the stuff. Like I, I think like the more and more when I have like some sort of epiphany, if you will, I, I do research and you go, Oh cool. That's cool. That person said that like thousands of years ago, that's rad as shit. And you, then you get down the rabbit hole of what that is and their teachings. And you're like, Oh, that aligns with some of the things I believe now. And it's kind of crazy when you go like, huh, even thousands of years ago, they're dealing with the same crap I'm dealing with right now. Like we haven't evolved that much. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. We're just apes with smartphones basically. Exactly. But yeah. how do we develop these tools for a modern age, right? Like what they said a long time ago, you're talking about the, the Stoics, you're talking about Buddhist philosophy, Taoism, like all these things, like <clears throat> their, their teachings and things like this, they still hold true to today, but there's, how do we develop? They're still a product of their time. Yeah. So how how do, we, do we adapt it to modern how times? How do we adapt it to modern times? And something that I think, at least for me, it was, is, I need to have the education, right? The the movement was ingrained into their lifestyle because they had to move to survive. Proper, they didn't have box cereal. No, like they they knew how to eat, probably more or less, right? Modern agriculture to them was pretty basic, like pretty bland foods. They weren't engineering apples to like be the sweetest be, fucking apple yeah. ever, yeah, and the size of your face, right? And like the deepest red ever. So yeah. like, like those know, Costco apples, like, yeah, exactly. feeding those fucking things. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, these are the things. Like so, like I think we've lost a little bit of the education, yeah. And so, and I think education is a great way to start because you can teach yourself and look for resources to educate yourself, and then you get to apply those things the way you see fit based on your needs at the time. And I think that's what's up. So 
you come to observation now after those two things and you're observing yourself, you're trying to, you're teaching yourself to observe the emotions, your past, all the stuff that you've dealt with through the career, all these things. And, uh, you move to not identifying. Yeah. You become aware of it and then you don't identify. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You become aware of it and you don't identify. And, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel right. Emotion. Yeah. You're going to feel emotion. Well, you don't have a choice with that. That's no. your brain chemistry. Exactly. Man. You're going to feel that shit. hundred percent. And you're going to at times identify with stuff, but the better you get at observing, the quicker they pass and the quicker you can move away from it and understand like, Hey, these are just things that happen and I can replace it now with something different. Yeah. And so after identification, um, you know, we hit that one pretty good is, uh, the ability to accept, like educate yourself on how to accept things. The world around us is happening. You can't control it. It's hard, man. Like I yeah. get it. The past is the past. It, it, it's already it, happened. There's nothing you can do to go back and change it unless you're, you know, dock with a time machine on a DeLorean. Yeah, exactly. I used to have this really big struggle with like the, this idea of fate, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, this, you know, we, there's time two camps, like fate and I destiny. create my own destiny. Yeah. Right. And I was just all the time. just like, dude, fate is just an excuse for people to be like, Oh, it's, uh, it's out of my control. It's out of my control. You know, like, Oh, just, it's fate, I guess. You know, and like, yeah. I would always struggle with that. And I'd be like, no, man, I create my own destiny. No one has control over me. This egotistical, like yeah, shot, shot, you're shit. full of shit there too. <laughs> yeah. You're also full of shit there too. Exactly. Yeah. So where I've come to understand this now is fate. And I, and I use a lot of, um, pictures because that's how I see it in my head. So I kind of tell like maybe a story here, but the way I see fate is like, you're driving your car down the road and a car comes up behind you and slams into you. Yeah. You're mind your own, but you know, that shit was going to happen. The world is a super complex dynamic place. And so many things are happening that are outside of your control. It's many things that are it's cause and effect over and over and over again. Yeah. It's like, almost a miracle in a sense. I mean, for fuck's yeah. sakes, man, we're apes with smartphones <laughs> on a rock that's <laughs> orbiting a sun that's <laughs> yeah. orbiting. Exactly, dude. You yeah. Know, you're nailing it, dude. So like, and that's, yeah. so it's, it's coming to turns. That's where the acceptance comes in is like, you have to accept that thing. You can't control everything, you know, and you have to be able to understand what those are and let them just be. Yeah. It's super hard, man. Don't get me wrong. It's the, probably one of the ones I struggle with the most, dude, especially when it comes to people, when someone's doing a certain thing or acting a certain way, especially as a parent, LaCroix, that LaCroix, LaCroix again. came back, uh, <laughs> especially as a parent, when your kids are being all nutty and crazy, dude, and you're just like, ah, it's like chill the hell out, you know, like, no, like my dog is whining. Yeah, around. man, yeah. exactly. At, at, you have to, I, through the, my meditation process or thought process of thinking about these things, I always, almost every time come to acceptance and I'm like, am I accepting what, am I accepting the things I can't control as just things I can't control? Yeah. And almost every time it's like, uh, wait, there's something there that you're trying to control. And I'm like, shit, all right, I'm going to spend a little time to think about this and just kind of let it go. And, and a lot of it has to do with the way people are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially in this agency where you were like, I've said, I've said this before with other media platforms. It's like we, uh, wildland fire is the only natural disaster that we try and control as humans. Yeah. We don't try and go control <laughs> a fucking hurricane. Well, no. some people well, yeah, may have sure. said something right, about right, that, right. but 
yeah, I'm not going to go like put a, like a plug in a volcano or anything. You know what I mean? Like it's, so, uh, we kind of already have this kind of feeling of control as a superintendent, right? You're, you're managing, right? Like you're managing people. You're trying to do all these things. You're trying to get people to work together. A lot of moving parts. Um, it's very easy to blur those lines between managing and controlling. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things you just have to accept as is like they're happening. You can't control it, man. And that leads me to the next thing. It's you can control how you can react to it though. And that leads me to my next thing. Ooh, good segue. There, you go. there, there we you go. go, dude. That's it. So, uh, the next thing is control, like manifesting your own destiny or, or not manifesting, but, uh, creating your own destiny, right? Yeah. The guy slams into you. You can't control that. But what you can control is how you react to that situation. Absolutely. We are a creation of our thoughts straight up. You create the person you want to be through the way you think. And if you're going to be a negative Nancy and you're going to be whatever, depressed or happy yeah. or joyful, yeah, whatever it is, sunshine exactly like your ass. you get to be, that's what you're going to project into the world, man, like yeah. straight up. And so you have to be constantly observing, not identifying, accepting, create your own, <laughs> your creation of your thoughts now, man. Like you get to choose. Yeah. Like if you can successfully do those first three and even the first two before that, the nutrition and the stuff, right? You got to pay attention to human philosophy or, uh, physiology or physiology. Yeah. Well, you're not going to put 87 octane in a Ferrari, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is, what do you think coffee's going to, a ton of coffee is going to do to you? Like it's going to wire you up. And it's going to be hard to do all the other things. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's, what's up. You, you are a creation of your thoughts. Perfect. Now you're creating your own destiny. All you have control over is you, man. Unfortunately, that's the truth. Yeah. And so, um, well, I mean, is, you're right though. That's yeah. Yeah, it is. It took me a long time to, I mean, I still, I'm still struggling to like we understand that. Mm. And it's a dynamic process, just like this right. planet flying through the fucking ball right. of fire in the center of our solar system right. around a totally. galaxy that's surrounded by nothing <laughs> until the next <laughs> galaxy. Like, well, we can this is part of the problem, right? Like we kind of become, start becoming neurotic about this shit, right? And we start, what, what is this? What is that? What is that? You know, like, yeah. Well, curious minds in nature, man. It's well, it's how we innovate. Yeah. A lot of the ways. Nope, so camera died. <laughs> okay. Womp, womp. <laughs> oh, well keep rolling. Uh, so, um, so that's that, so that's that next step, dude. And then, you know, what I, what I've done after that is now, uh, you know, once I can start creation, creation through thought as I try and provide stillness, like try and be still and stillness maybe floats around. It's not necessarily um, needs to be where it is, where I'm saying now, and all these things are interchangeable depending on the person. If it's something that's, you know, speaks to you, but, uh, I do stillness next and stillness is the ability to give yourself permission to shut the brain down a little bit. Like I think just reel it in. I think they, I think this job, um, in our lives kind of just breeds a certain person who has the go, go, go mentality. Yeah. And as soon as something falls off the plate, we put something back on top. And, you know, and like, we don't, we feel guilty. At least this is me <laughs> for sure. I would feel guilty about not having something in place. Um, uh, or if I like had a moment of, st- if I had a moment of stillness, I would feel guilty because I wasn't doing something. Yeah. And so, yeah. And this was a struggle with me and my wife, you know, like I come back from a fire season or fire or whatever. I'm sitting on a couch. I'm tired of shit. And it's like, man, all I do, all I want to do is chill. My wife's out doing stuff. And then you have this guilt of like, I should be doing I'm shit. I'm not participating. Like, shoot, I need to help. I need to help. 
stupid. Um, she didn't care though. She, I mean, maybe in the beginning, she's like, oh, why don't you get off your ass or whatever. But through the process of cultivating a good relationship, talking and building tools that we share, like it's been, she understands now. Right. So, but it's the stillness that gives you the ability to just be like, dude, just relax, relax, man. Chill. It's all good, dude. Yeah. Like life's going to go on. You don't always have to be doing something. It's the stillness gives you the ability to pull yourself away from trying to fight spot fires. Right. It gives you the ability to sort of like, just get to a point where you're just like, take some breaths, do some relaxing and be still dude. It's all good. It's, it's this all good mentality in yeah. my opinion. Um, so that's been an important tool for me. Um, and that stillness lets me, uh, look at those things I talked about just a little while ago, the, the nutrition, the moving, the observation, the identifying all this stuff, that stillness gives me the ability, even talking about it, I feel more still, right? Yeah. Like gives me the ability to articulate my thoughts, process things a little bit better. The fire, fire environment gets ramped up real quick. Oh yeah. Especially it, on that initial attack phase. Initial attack, uh, dealing with aviation, complicated burn shows, like all, all the things, man, like, extreme fire behavior, which we're just seeing more and more of like, I mean, all these, the fire environment can get ramped up real quick. Your ability to do everything I've talked about and come to a place of stillness is, uh, will give you the ability to articulate your thoughts and process information much easier. Well, you have clarity of mind. 100%. If you're still, you know, if you're not yeah. adding to all that other stimuli, that's overwhelming you, right. you don't let it overwhelm you then you're going to process things a lot, a lot better. Totally. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's not that next one. And then the, the next thing I, I go to is, uh, in almost one of the more powerful ones is let it go, man. Just let it go. Let that shit go. Like everything, even everything I just talked about, let it go for you to grow and move to the next version of yourself or a better version of yourself. You have to let go of the things that you hold or you think is true. We, we attach ourselves to these ideas. Uh, we identify with all the things we have these beliefs and, uh, we adhere to them so hard that it, it, it shrinks up the space. I, I believe at least for myself, um, of personal growth. And you have to let go of that shit. You have to constantly be reassessing the things that you think to be true and see if they still hold value right in this moment. Yeah. And if they don't, you need to get rid of them. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like having a cluttered desk, man. It's exactly. like, you got to take that, that time for that stillness to organize that desk and throw away the shit that you don't need. Yeah. 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 So I think letting go is, is pretty legit because it gives, gets you to a point where, um, uh, kind of get to live in the now or whatever. Um, which be in the present, be just be present. Yeah. 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 So, and then the next thing is what I'm doing right now. Uh, the last kind of thing, that tool that I've used, um, that I'm developing more and more that I'm trying to is this, this knowledge of shared perspective. Um, which again is a fancy way of just com saying communication. Yeah. Like some people are really good at sharing perspective. Some people aren't. Some people are good at receiving perspective. Some people aren't. But um, sharing your individual perspective is it's going to get you the ability to 
process who you are and learn more about who you are so you can keep growing. But what it also does, which is, I think, even more incredible is it provides other people perspective. A lot of us, myself included on a lot of different topics, life, fire, whatever it is, some of us have our eye, depending on how much experience you have, maybe, or just the knowledge you have on it. We have our eye right up on the cue ball. That's not great perspective in the moment. No, you're focused. You're, you're that's, that's an anxiety symptom. It's an, yeah. It's an anxiety symptom. Right. And, yeah. uh, but by, by us speaking our truth and sharing our perspectives, you're going to give other people perspective and the ability to pull their eye off that cue ball a little bit and see a little bit of more of the ball, but you're never going to see the entire shape or the entire ball all the way around. You have to have conversations with people and share perspective to gain the insight of what all that looks like. So you can keep traveling. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to stay at that 30,000 foot view. No, you're no gonna, one's going to stay just there in between. And yeah. like, uh, but it's the continued sharing. Right. And I think this is a really important thing. I think we've, it, the way I look at, it, I think our society is, uh, got too many things that are around us that have given us ways to not be able to share perspective efficiently. Um, well, look at the, we share a false sense of perspective. Well, yeah. I mean, look at how we communicate these days. You got 240 characters. That's a shitty way. <laughs> that's a real shitty way to, yeah. you know, yeah, have exactly. a conversation. Yeah. Dude, Especially with something with the complexity. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is everything. Everything right. has complexity. Absolutely. And, and sharing perspective gives us the ability, like I said, to speak our truth and, and, uh, share vulnerabilities, which in the beginning, sharing your vulnerabilities, in my opinion, is speaking your truth. And as you get better at doing that, it just becomes a way you live. It, it becomes shared perspective and it's not, no, no more feels like, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like vulnerable vulnerability anymore. In my opinion, there'll be moments of vulnerability for sure. But the yeah. more you do it, the better you become, the more authentic you become. And, uh, like I said, a positive outcome to that is maybe you benefit somebody, maybe that perspective, um, gains someone else some perspective and they can apply what you've what you've done into their life and now they can keep pushing forward yeah that mentorship aspect of it yeah, yeah. firm and so that's that's what it's all about um at least from like a you know philosophical level and you know these are all human conditions you know like firefighters are still humans yeah you know like you, well, you don't start street technicians humans, yeah. whatever we want to call them like <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all humans still, you know what I mean? And th these are all human things that we deal with. Like, uh, uh, we might encounter more challenges on a larger scale because of the situations we put ourselves in with the fire environment. But I guarantee you there's other people that aren't firefighters, aren't forestry technicians, aren't, you know, uh, first responders that are also dealing with these very real problems. Yeah. Or well, it's just going to be different. It's going to be different. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyways, cultivating these skills, educating yourself on how, how to apply these in real time for your life, um, is how I got through these thoughts of suicide is giving myself time, um, quieting the brain, providing the stillness and, uh, and working through these issues. And now it's time to share perspective it's time for me to tell people like, Hey, I've, I've been there. I've done it all. I've experienced loss. Like a lot of you have, I've been, uh, you know, 
and I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to, um, um, be selfish here, like get attention for saying I a bunch of times. Right. Um, yeah, but that's the same thing is I'm trying to, I'm trying to build, um, uh, I'm trying to get you to understand, like I've been there. I just, you know, a, a relationship, yeah. right? Well, this is a mentoring session is what it is. I mean, For you've real. lived this and this, yeah. hopefully your message can, you know, motivate or right. inspire someone to conquer their own demons as well. Much as much in the way you have. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so, you know, this, me coming here today is it's, <laughs> it's part of my healing process to be quite honest with you. Like I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's that shared perspective, right? I, I need to now tell my story. Yeah. I need to tell people like, Hey, <laughs> I've been there. I've been on an engine. I've been on a helicopter. You know, Dan Laird was my captain, right? I had a relationship with him. Like he had a hundred relationships with a bunch of other people. It touched a lot of lives. Yeah. Um, and I've been a hot shot. You know what I mean? I've, I've done the crazy burn. I've, I've had the near misses. Um, I've seen it all. Um, I mean, there's a lot more to see. Don't get me wrong. That's, yeah. that's, well, you've that's seen, a broad statement, but like yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff, but I'm trying to say like, I, I can relate to what a lot of people are going through. And, um, those, those tools, those knowledge, that basic knowledge that I've cultivated, the, the needs, those basic needs that I listed have gotten me to a place where I feel comfortable now encountering these rough times in my life again and be able to come to a place and work through them on those needs. And ultimately working on those things differentiates the difference between needs and wants. And it gets you to a point where you can start remembering and recognizing the shit in front of you for how fucking awesome it is straight up. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm dealing, we take a lot for granted, man. We do, man. Like I, I was, to be honest with you, I was having these issues and, I had a realization where I was like, damn, dude, I'm just, I saw, I was like, uh, I was struggling cause I, I was being, I was going through the motions as a dad. Right. And when I realized what was happening, I was like, fuck, like I'm watching my kids grow up and I'm not even appreciating this shit. Yeah. Like that's, that sucks. Then you're missing out a ton of it too. Right. Like yeah. I'm, I'm so far over here in the future and what needs to happen in the future. I'm attaching myself to all this shit that happened to me in the past. And I forget what it, it is to just live now, right? This minute is the only thing that matters right this minute. If you guys are telling yourself, like for me, like it was like, man, there's no, there's no perfect time. You got to get off your ass and do it now. If you, one of my frustrations about, um, what we do is, and the things that happen to us, I'm not a victim, dude. Don't get me wrong. I chose to do this job, yeah. right? You know damn well what you signed up. I to signed do. up to do this yeah. and I've been doing it for 20 years. Like there's no, there's nothing out there that I'm, it's not a surprise when I see something. I'm not unaware that people die on this job yeah. and that at some point it might happen again. Like, um, but I'm telling you the realization I had was, uh, if you're waiting for, the agency that you work for to provide you the resources or the person to come to you and say, Hey, I'm here to help you. You're going to be waiting a goddamn long time. Oh yeah. The, you have to step up and make the steps. Like, and that's, that was, that's how I came to this point is like, I have to cultivate these tools. Yeah. I have to go find them. You have to find the resources too. I have to go find the resources Yeah, because 
it's about you, man. Like, like I said, one of the things you create your creation of your thoughts, you create your future. No one's, no one's out there trying to, there's people that are trying to help for sure. And I, and I'm not, I'm, this isn't a call for, this isn't a call for us to stop trying to provide these resources for people. I'm deeply involved with a lot of these and I, 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 I find it very important. Don't get me wrong. And we need to keep pushing forward, man. There's some great people working on some great things. Oh yeah. But at the end of the day, it's you that has to take the steps. Yeah. You, you have to take the ultimate responsibility to take that leap and find, yeah. find the tools that work for you. hundred percent. And just like you said, man, it's not a one size fits all. No, it's not. Thing. Not it's at all. What works for you again. Yeah. And, and it, it is what works for you. And, the, and you have to find what that is. And, and, and this is like, again, again, this is my story. This is what I, I have done to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, help myself. And, uh, now this isn't medical advice, man. It's no, just, no, no, just no. one perspective. This is just yeah. me, man. This you is, and I aren't clinicians. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. This is just my story. And like I said, the process of me sharing my perspective is part of my healing process. After this conversation, no doubt I'm going to be a better person. Um, and a positive byproduct of sharing perspective, like I said in the beginning is most of the time it helps somebody. And maybe you get one thing and that's, that's legit in my opinion. And, uh, that, that makes me feel good, but it's not my main priority. My main priority is to keep growing and walking my path. And so, <clears throat> um, but all these things that I've cultivated, all these things, uh, they get me to, it's, it's all about realizing how important right this moment is. Yeah. And so that, so I can start looking at what I need, man. Did I provide my needs? Okay. Yes, I did. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go buy that new badass truck I've always wanted. <laughs> Hot shot rich, but I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy the badass truck because it's, uh, something I think is going to give me happiness. Yeah. It's not something that's going to fill a void that you're missing 100%, Yeah, as right? a person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's a trap that we get into, you know, oh, like time, we, man. We off season blues, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to go buy this cool thing. Little retail therapy. A little bit. <laughs> exactly. A little distraction or whatever. So, you know, and this is primarily what I was really wanting to talk about, you know, like, um, I wanted to let people know, like, this is the, the power to become the person you want to be. The ability to level up is in your hands. Then you got to make the steps. You got to go to war with your thoughts. You got to battle it. You got to go, you got to put, I I talk about it like like in terms of this, like in the beginning, it's like a a knight in shining armor and you're battling the dragon as you go (laughs) rescue the damsel in distress or whoever the person is. Right. Yeah. All that armor is protecting you. Right. And as you learn and, and, uh, develop skills and all these things, right. You start to, uh, shed some of that armor and now you become like a fencer. Mm-hmm. And you're fencing. You're relying right? on skill instead of protection measures. Right? Yeah. You're doing a lot of parrying. You're you're moving around. You, you don't. Ha- you're more exposed, but you're able to move. And then eventually, it becomes a waltz. And now you're dancing with your thoughts, and it's this balance, and this is beautiful dance. Like this is what life is. It's this. It, you're managing how to deal with all these things, but you want to get to a place where you're you're dancing and, and comfortable not, doing so. And comfortable doing so. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't mean you're always going to you're not going to have regressions or you're going to deal with other challenging situations that you weren't prepared this for. This thing's like a sliding scale, man. It's, it's a just, sliding it's scale. It's humanity in general. We go through hard, we go through the good, we go right. through the in between, man. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, and I talk about this also with my, 
my crew from time to time is this, <clears throat> everybody knows, everybody can picture the peaks and valleys, right? Life is like peaks and valleys, dude. Like everybody knows. Yeah. I, it's kind of cliche, but yeah, but it's, it's kind of common, true. common knowledge a little bit. And so it's easy to, to describe. And, um, I like to call it valleys and peaks. Nobody remembers the start point on a peak. We all remember the low point, right? So like you're, you're in a depression, right? And the depression I'm talking about a low point, a valley, right? This low area lacks clarity. It lacks direction. It lacks a sense of a goal or where, where to go. And it's like, it, there's a, and the, the issue with these low points in our life, there's a lot of people down there. A lot of people that are going to say, give you the power to stay there where you'll be like, oh, well this happened to me, you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. That sucks, man. Like, oh, that's a bummer. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that don't know how to deal with you, the situation you're dealing with. They don't, yeah. they don't understand. Right. So you, there's a lot of comfort in there because there's, you're shared. Right. And a lot of confirmation for existing there. But at some point you got to climb the fuck out of that hole. And the only way to do that is to provide yourself some purpose through setting goals. You have to set a goal and those things give you the ability to find a path. And if you've done a good job and you've developed an ultimate goal and you put that way out on the peak that you can barely see through the clouds of your depression, yeah, then you find your path and you find yourself to the trailhead at the base of the mountain. And you set, set some goals along the way so that you have successes along your travel to your ultimate goal, because that, that walk up to the goal is challenging, man. Oh, it's yeah. it's going to be hard. Um, and there's going to be things that you weren't ready to face, but those little tiny successes are going to keep you moving. And at some point you might have a decision. You might have, you might have, you might hit a hard point where you go, shit, well, I can either keep going up the hill to into the unknown or I can go back down into the valley. I know it's down there. You have a decision to make, get to work, move around that obstacle and keep going. Yeah. And then when you get to the peak, cause hopefully you do, you get to the top and you get to look down that mountain all the way down to the depression and be like, holy shit, this is awesome. And give a ton of thanks and gratitude for the, for everything that you just learned along that path. Because everything, the depression, the path you walked up the hill, all those little successes has led you to the summit. And now you have leveled up as a person. You are a better version of yourself, but guess what? There's another peak. It's time to walk down the other side. <laughs> See what's on the other side. And you walk down the other side, man. And you keep going and you hit another valley. And this is life, man. But the problem is, is a lot of times for me specifically, I've identified with the low point. I've identified with the middle point. I've identified with the peak, but all these things change, man. You're not the depression. You're not the halfway point. You're not the summit. You're the thing moving through it all the time. And where that line intersects with the trailhead as you're moving through is the moment. And you need to recognize how fucking cool that is. And uh, so that's part of it. And then the other part is too, is like, uh, this is almost like a one dimensional picture, right? Like a Mario, like the original super Mario game. Yeah. But when you take a bird's eye view of that summit, you realize there's a shit ton of paths that a lot of other people are walking. And maybe at that summit, you get to interact with somebody and see how they got there. Kind of share that shared perspective, shared perspective. Yeah. 
And now you get to see like, oh damn, they, they encountered that challenge. Interesting. I haven't done that yet. Or maybe I'll see that on the next peak or maybe it's, oh yeah, I did the same thing. Oh, I did a little different way. Maybe you try that next time, man. This is more efficient or whatever it is, dude. But it's the shared experience that, that really helps us. You know, that's, that's, what's rad about this, uh, this being a human, you know, like, uh, and our modern technology, like, look at this, dude. I know. Right. (laughs) What the hell dude? Like we're, we're just two dudes talking on some microphones that maybe a few people get to hear this and it's just rad. That's, that's a really awesome thing. It has also become more efficient to communicate in some way. But anyways, that's how I see, uh, life. And, um, those are the things that I've cultivated and educated myself along the years to, um, help me through difficult times. And like, I think everybody's, I want, I want people to know, like, um, whether you're a first year guy, fucking five year guy, 10 year guy, dude, 20 year people have the same problems. We're all struggling, dude. There's, there's things to struggle, but, um, cultivating those tools, getting to the top of the summit and looking back and showing gratitude for all those struggles that you've gone through. Because I promise you through the darkness, there is light and you're going to come out the other side, a better person. You just got to, you got to go to war, man. You got to cultivate the tools that make you successful. And, uh, shit, if this helps anybody, that's awesome. I, I, that's super rad. I'd love for someone to reach out and tell me how they made some success. And if people um, are looking for help. Like I'm available. Yeah. Like it ain't hard to find me. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. You it's... Type in Ben Strawn. looks like Strahan. You'll find me. And, uh, that's your first step of taking, uh, responsibility for your life. And I'll, I'll help you out wherever you want, man. Like I, it's talking or whatever. Right. I mean, we have a, I truly believe like there's a lot of value in, uh, clinicians and people that have gone to school, right. And, and, and have done this stuff, but we, we constantly are talking about this stuff in our, in our culture that we work in the wildland fire agency or whatever, constantly are talking about what's the best tool. Is it the clinician or is it the person who's experienced it through yeah. peer support? Right. Yeah. And so it's like, answer's going to lie in between. It's in between. It yeah. always is. It always is, man. But the issue that I see is, is like, it, there's, there's two things, the knowing Sometimes, first off, I don't want to oversimplify this or like put everybody on the same umbrella. There's a tremendous knowledge in the clinician side that do have experience. Mm-hmm. They know what's Those up. Culturally competent clinicians. Abs- yeah. Absolutely, dude. And Hard like, to find, but they're there. They're there. They're, yeah. They for sure are. Uh, Min- Mendoz is one of them. Yep. So um, uh, my point is, is like, there's this idea that I like to talk about. It's the difference between knowing and understanding, right? A lot of us are in knowing phase around some of these concepts that I've been talking about, but they aren't in understanding phase. The unfortunate thing is to get to understanding, uh, like I said, in the deepest, darkest places of your head, of your life is where you're going to come out the other side, a better person. That's where the light shines. Yeah. You got to look for it. You're going to actually gain that resiliency. And I hate using that fucking term because it's such a, <laughs> it's such a buzzword, man. Oh, we need to cultivate resiliency. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what, sure. what does that mean? You know, it's <laughs> right. kind of lost its luster as far as a term. Yeah. But the true resiliency yes. is conquering those demons and conquering that, yeah, those yeah. valleys, you know? Yeah. And so ex- do it exactly. And so like, but the, that's, but the point is, is to get to understanding, you have to be in that place. You have to, you have to live it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I used this example, I use it all the time with people, um, 
you know, last time we talked, it's like, you know, the smoker who's smoking knows that if they smoke, they are going to potentially develop, they cause, it causes lung cancer. They know that. Yeah. But they're still smoking. They don't understand it until they go to the doctor <laughs> and the doctor goes, you have lung cancer from smoking. And now it's all of a sudden extremely real. Yeah. And so that's the place that we need to get to. We need to get from knowing to understanding. And so in some ways and some, some clinicians, right. I don't want to put everybody on the same umbrella, but this, I think this is the war that we have between the two peer support and clinician is clinicians know, but they don't understand. And then we have the peer support that understands, but don't know, but they don't know how to apply or talk about it because they don't think that they, um, have the professional experience to do so. And so they don't, they don't, they don't reach out to the people that are struggling mm -hmm. or whatever, because they don't think that they can be in a, of assistance. But the real deal is man, like here, here's what's up. We're all, we're all humans. We're all heartbeat, blood pumping, all this stuff. Like you'd be surprised if you could share your perspective with somebody, how much you might help somebody just based on the fact that you have done the same things and you're a human. These, these, I, these things I'm talking about are, they're not just fire issues. They're human issues. Yeah. And so courage is part of it, man. Like oh, we yeah. got to kind of step up and, um, in some way and, and really it's not looking to fix people. None of us are broken. It's about sharing our perspective. Look at it that way. Share your perspective more often. We need to get away from this idea of, um, holding this position that's like super manly or whatever that means. No, yeah. It's, you know it's I mean? bullshit is what it is. And the times are changing too. I think that the culture is finally trying to shift. Right. I mean, you've seen the old school. You right. lived it. Sure. Yeah. Now you've seen the new school. Yeah. And it's I mean, different. Yeah, it's I, different. We're just dealing with a different sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a little more challenging culturally and, um, especially within the agency culturally as well. And, and so like there's this shift, but, and, uh, you know, not everybody's whatever. I, I, I like struggled with even talking about this, this piece here is like, not everybody's going to, this ain't everybody's flavor. No. What I'm talking about is going to be like, Oh, well, you know, it's like there might be some gripers, there might be some whatever, but honestly it's, I don't care. Yeah. But that's I'm, the thing though. I'm talking about me here. Yeah. This is my story. So like, I don't care, but my, my challenge to you, if you're struggling with like, Oh, I don't do this or I don't feel like doing that or whatever is like, um, instead of burying things deep, what do you, what's tougher burying things and then having them pop up later and then being broken because you have identified with something for so long. That's what I happened to me or going to war with your mind and yeah. cultivating these crazy tools. It. Like it's, it's like, it's like lifting a thousand pounds in your head. It's like a thousand pound mental back squat. Like obviously big muscles are going to, are a sign of toughness, whatever quote unquote there, but we don't do the same thing with our head ever. We don't no. like meditation gets this like hippie <laughs> kind of like definition. But well, it's just like that, uh, like Thomas Worm when I had him on yeah. my show with uh, Mountain Mind Tricks. Right. And that's the thing. It's, it's not everybody's flavor, but sure. the more people I have, the more shared perspective, whether it's his flavor or your flavor or Minda's flavor, mm -hmm. I think it's the more exposure it's, it's going to help more people. They totally. can pick and choose their flavor. Absolutely. I do. That's, that's what's up. And I want to make this bitch like 31 flavors, you know, Baskin Robbins <laughs> up in here, but it's a great, great ice cream place though. <laughs> right. Whatever happened to that place anyway? I know, man. <laughs> I feel like they're not around as much as they used to. Yeah. I like ice cream. Anyway. Too. But that's. Need not want. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that's, that's what's up, dude. It's every, every things I'm saying may not be everybody's flavor, but I'm just saying yeah. like, 
uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is we need to do mental reps too. You know what I mean? You got to, to have a strong mind, um, to be able, um, to have a flexible, I want to say resilient, resilient mind, um, to be the person who waltzes with their feelings and waltzes with the things popping in their head. You have to practice that shit. Oh yeah. Just like you would exercise. If you want to be a good runner, you got to run. Yeah. Well, it's the same with the nutrition thing too, but it's like yeah. mental nutrition, you know, right. you feed exactly. yourself crap, you feed your brain crap. You're just yeah. going to regurgitate crap. Yeah, for sure. So, and so, you know, that's, that's what's up. And, um, you know, that's kind of uh, where I am, uh, with stuff. And there's a lot of other things that are, that are really great that I think people should think about too. Like, um, you know, I think support system is legit. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm very fortunate that I have a very loving and beautiful wife that, um, dude, it hasn't always been great. Don't get no. me wrong. Like we, I mean, the relationships are work. Period. Yeah. 15 years and, you know, first year dating her or whatever, she experienced a hotshot season, which we were both trying to figure out. Right. That's and when so, I met my wife is my yeah. hotshot season. It's like, <laughs> all right, let's see. Keeper. She's a keeper. And she stuck around, man. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, it's, uh, and I, and I talk about that too. Like, you know, so like, so the support system is nice, man. You got to have those people that are, that you can go to that, um, aren't going to maybe judge you that are able to uh, listen to what you have to say and like provide some legit concrete feedback or just, uh, just listen. Really. Sometimes that's all you need, man. Sometimes you just need to blow some steam. Yeah, just that pure support. hundred percent. And so that's, you know, that's one of the, the things like, Hey, if you're one of those people and you feel like you don't have any support system, give me, give me a shout. I'll listen to what you got to say. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there for you. Don't, don't get me wrong. So, um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I got a, a really dope wife who's, um, pretty cool, man. And we've, like I said, we've had some, some pretty challenging times. Like I remember 2016 or 17, like we were struggling pretty hard with like who we were as people. And I was, I was really struggling with who I was, you know, like I identifying and all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, shit, I don't yeah. feel these feelings anymore. Here's a reality check. And it was just like, uh, you become distant. And I remember we sat down one time and it was like, we had this conversation just like, uh, it was like, uh, so, you know, I feel like we're on the same road, but we're going opposite directions and we're just totally cool with it. And she's just like, yeah, for sure. And it was no heated argument like we've had in the past or whatever. And she just goes, and it was in, in my opinion, um, some people define a relationship specifically with a spouse or whatever as work. I don't, I don't like to use that word. I like to use the the word courage to grow as a couple. It takes courage. Work gives it this negative. Yeah. You have to do this kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh God, I can't wait for this to be over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that two, eight, two, <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, fuck, when is it five o'clock? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a much better way to put it though. Yeah. And so it's, I think it takes courage, man. Yeah. And, and, um, at that, in that moment we showed some courage. We said, Hey, let's, get to work on who we are and whatever. And, um, shoot, I feel like I'm going into relationship advice now, but whatever, might as well go there. Right. <laughs> Fuck, it takes effort, man. I mean, uh, shit, yeah. Gotta, yeah. So like, you, uh, and this is all the walk on that one. Yeah. This is all part of the, the, the social experiment that you're living right now and, and, uh, cultivating the tools that you need to have to be a successful human being. Um, and so, uh, you know, 
and relationships are, are really good. And to have that support system, these conversations, these struggles that you go through are also very important to have. And, uh, one of the most important things that me and my wife have done recently is telling each other that we don't need each other for each other's happiness. And initially that sounds really, really hard. No, it makes total sense to me because yeah. if you're super that the other, I guess, avenue that would be, would be codependence. Yeah. And yeah. we, we trap people. Like it's really easy. We say like, in in a way we, we kind of, especially when we're young, trying to figure this shit out, you know, like you say like, man, I can't be happy without this person. I can't live without them. I can't live without them. Right. Yeah. And you, and it's a, honestly, you start to manipulate this person to fit the, the needs that you think you need so that you can feel happiness, right? You're relying on an external resource or whatever to feel happiness. And it's in a way, it's kind of a form of slavery. Like you've entrapped this person now to act in a certain way to make you happy, happy. Like you wake up in the morning or whatever and the coffee's not made and you go like, oh man, you know, I love coffee. I can't be happy without the coffee being made. You know what I mean? Like it's your fault. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'll get, I'll get on that. You know, like we've all been there. It's a minor That's like a shitty relationship <laughs> to me, bro. <laughs> but at the same time, like this, this, maybe that was a lame example, but anyways, the point is, is, uh, it's th those kind of honest conversations that really grow, at least for, in my experience, what grew this really positive relationship where we can both, you know, by, by saying that like, Hey, you're not the source of my happiness. I do not need you to be happy. It stings a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, even people, it might make people uncomfortable just me saying that, but what that does is it provides the individual the space to be who they want. And I like to, you don't have to put on that face. Yeah. yeah there's the this, mask. there's this great person. Uh, he's a philosopher. His name's Anthony DeMello. He's, um, he's passed away probably a long time ago. I don't know, but he, uh, he talks about it in terms of like, um, uh, like a, like a symphony or music, right? Like my wife, she's like my favorite song. She's playing my favorite song like all the time, dude. Like when she's around that music's on full blast, dude, crank it to 11. I love it. And when she's gone, the music doesn't stop. She's yeah. still playing that shit. It might not be someone else's favorite song or maybe it is. And I don't know about it, but anyways, <laughs> but you know, it's like just in a different, different she's playing a different right song. Now. Everybody's yeah. just playing different music, man. But that's, you can't, that's their music to play. And if you're telling them to play something different, they aren't, get, they don't get to be who they want. Yeah. So telling somebody like, Hey, you're not the source of my happiness. gets, let's gives the space for the individual to play their music and put it on full blast. And that is fucking awesome. And that right there has taken my relationship into a new direction because now that's full support because I, there's not, there's nothing holding her back from being her yeah, or me being me. And now we just get to play our music for each other and it's great. Fuck. That's, I never anticipated fear and something so profound out of a you know, 20 year <laughs> hotshot superintendent. <laughs> that's yes. pretty good, man. I, I like that shit. That's good shit. Cool. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. And, and as a, as a father, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. You know, like we, we can become super neurotic with our kids. Like, Hey, you got to act like you're about to have a kid, dude. Like, I know, dude. And this I'm is the stoked, deal. But I'm also like, this is the deal. Like we're, at, uh, uh, parents, whatever you want to call it, uh, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a guide, we're all essentially just showing the way. Yeah. And we have to give these people the ability to be themselves. And this is the beautiful thing about humans, dude. And like I've taken this, um, I've taken this 
idea, this philosophy into my crew. It's like, and this is what I tell them. Like, Hey man, like I'm not, I want you to be who you are, like be who you are because that's pretty incredible, dude. If you can, if you can be on a hotshot crew and still be yourself, and still be yourself, dude, that's awesome, dude, because you're going to, you're going to be happier. You're going to provide a better product. You're going to enjoy other people's company because you're going to essentially do the same thing with other folks. And it, it is hard for first year guys, but this is the stuff. This is your, your, as a superintendent, this is one of the things I, I feel responsible for is like guiding them through to this path. Like, Hey dude, like be yourself, man. Like I don't, don't do what I want you to do. There's going to be things I need you to do for the success of the mission. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to do things. It's work shit though. But yeah. in your head, your personality, who you are to, as a person, like do that shit, be you dude. And uh, I always tell people I'm not in the business of creating good hotshots. I'm in the business of creating good humans and good humans just happen to be good hotshots. Fucking amen to that, man. Yeah. Damn dude. Well, man, that's some pretty poet. That's a heavy ass episode, man. I think we're, I think that's a good ender to that. Let's call it. Yeah, dude. No, that was good shit, man. And I hope uh, that everybody out there that's listening takes this into advice. It may not be the right flavor for you, but sure. It could be try it. If when in all doubt, you might as well try it out, man. Absolutely. So then, you know, circling back to those organizations that are out there too. I mean, that I, I, I'm stoked to see some of these organizations like a peer supporter. I get you, you are a peer supporter. Anybody could be a peer supporter technically, mm-hmm. but seeing that gap bridge between clinician and peer supporter and finding that middle ground, I'm liking the fact that we're starting to see some people make some movement on that, man. Yeah. And then people like you are an integral part of that. So appreciate that. Yeah, man. But yeah. So end of the episode. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Before I forget. <sighs> What is the meaning of life? I gotta, uh, I don't know. I gotta fuck with you a little bit. So Hotshot oh, okay. Brewery wanted you to oh, have one yeah. of these shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Okay. It says, uh, I'm basically a hotshot yeah. on there. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, thanks Hotshot Brewery. Appreciate it, man. I'll wear it with pride. He likes fucking with people. So good. Good but too. In addition to that, man, I always give the opportunity for my guests to give a shout out to a homie, hero, mentor. Yeah. Maybe several. Take it away, sure. man. Sure. Man, I've had a lot of, uh, wow. That question brought up a pretty awesome emotion. <laughs> Immense gratitude for some people. Um, let me, let me think here. So, you know, my, my buddies, uh, no particular order. I'll save the best for last. Obviously, uh, Adam and Vanessa Lambert, they, they helped me a ton with this mental clarity and how to cultivate these tools. Uh, my grandfather, my dad, my mom, and uh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Matt Holmstrom, Aaron Humphrey for sure, and my wife, we'll leave it there. Like, you don't know what you guys have done for me in this job, in my life, so thank you. Right on, man. Then, uh, yeah. We'll end it there, man. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. Appreciate it. Hell yeah. And boom, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friend, Ben Strawn. Ben, dude, real talk here. 
Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your story, sharing your experience and sharing your struggles and putting yourself in that position of vulnerability to maybe potentially help somebody else that's maybe struggling with something similar, man. You have no idea how much that means to me and how much it's going to mean to the audience out there and everybody that's listening, man. It means a lot to me and I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And uh, for the rest of you listening, I, I really hope that his words strike true, man. I, I honestly do. He's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience. It may not be for everybody, but he also explained that it's not a one size fits all uh, solution to our own struggles. And this is a very individualized uh personal approach to what he has done to, you know, get some success out of his own, uh, struggles and conquering those demons. And, uh, yeah, I hope that it, it helps out somebody else, but yeah, this, this conversation needs to happen. And I think it needs to happen more often like that, that whole, uh, phrase that he uses with the, uh, shared experience, man, that is powerful shit. I cannot stress enough, man. But if you guys want to get a hold of uh, Ben, I'll put his uh, contact information in the show notes and you can always find him on uh, Instagram and the uh, old Facebook as well. So hope everybody enjoyed it. Special uh, shout out to our sponsors. We got Mystery Ranch, purveyors of the finest pack on the, well, I was not going to say West Coast, but now globally, I mean, they have been global for a while and they make killer shit. The most comfortable and well-built packs out there. We got Hotshot Brewery. Oh yeah. Kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause. Go over there and check them out. And plus they got all the tools to trade to get your morning started off. Right. Pretty badass. We got manscaped. You want to reduce those manscaping mishaps? Well, look no further than manscaped and listeners to this podcast can get 20% off plus free shipping site-wide by using the code anchor point. And that's going to be all one word. So anchor point at checkout. We've got the ass movements. Yeah, dude, keep spreading the pop, the propaganda of burying your turds, man. The poo bearing propaganda is awesome. Keep it up, dude. And last but not least, we got Bethany over there at the Smoky Generation. Bethany, you have an awesome organization. Keep it up. As for the rest of you, you guys know the drill. Stay safe. Stay savage. Peace. Peace.